0: Traveling
1: the Vortex. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood with his band of men. Feared by the bad, loved by the good. Robin Hood, Robin Hood.
2: the doctor as his merry men and landed episode number 193 i hope you all have your spoons with you we've got some sword fighting to do i'm keith
3: i'm sean <laughs>
2: i'm
4: glenn
3: aren't we the merry men? we
2: are <laughs> but we're the doctor's merry men so we am well, not Glenn. You,
3: you can get off the coffee table now
2: <laughs> uh, down down
3: it's glass you might break it <laughs> it's not funny get down off the coffee table <laughs>
1: How are you guys? All right,
3: enough
4: banter. Uh, are
2: you, are you no banter. No bantering. And are what? what? Are you Mary or are you pippin'? <laughs> <laughs> that was <bad>. <laughs> 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 banter.
3: There's a reason we don't put banter on the ribbons, it's tangents. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very, very true. Although we are just like Doctor Who Confidential with less facts and more witty banter.
2: So we have some witty banter.
3: Oh. Well, we had more than Doctor Who Confidential did. <laughs>
2: Ha, ha, ha. ha, ha. Ah. <laughs> Did you guys do anything fun this week?
1: <laughs> do no. anything, merry? No. I, I, Glenn I didn't. <laughs> returned to work, so I
2: did come back. I started work again. First week. week back to normal. Well, mm. relatively. Mm.
4: For the producers anyway, yeah. for me,
2: <laughs> in general, in over a month.
4: Yeah, Well, but then we had anchors gone. so
2: yeah, but still just being on my shows again was enough mm. to make it normal.
4: It wasn't too different for me. Yeah. (laughs) I was still on my same shows most of the weeks. It was weird,
2: but nice to be back on my normal shift. (laughs) I didn't do much else. (laughs) 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 I watched 47 Ronin. Uh, What'd you think? It wasn't bad. I heard a lot of bad things about it. The trailers totally missold it completely. Uh, Isn't that? Keanu Reeves. Oh, whoa. That's a Keanu uh, samurai film. Yeah, that's right. Like, okay, hold on.
4: No
3: interest. It's not bad.
2: There's no a interest. guy on the cover, and a guy I remember from the mo- from the trailers that I thought played a huge role, or would play a huge role, this tattooed dude. Five seconds of screen time. <laughs> that's how badly misrepresented this film is.
4: That's why they put him on the cover, though. Then
2: He looks cool. <laughs> that's
4: why they put him on the cover.
2: It's, that's it, why they put him in the trailer. Yeah, it was a. I. I probably enjoyed it more than I should have. <laughs> but I, Wait, what? I probably enjoyed it more than I should have probably More than most people did more than um, I should have. But I was able to I went in kind of expecting it to be I, I kind of know the story of the 47 Ronin And kind of what happens in it But not too much detail And expected there to be All this high fantasy in it That they really fantasized it And made it huge And all sorts of different stuff And there's hard. there's not that much fantasy in it at all and so I was pleasantly surprised to find how much of a samurai story it is. And while they stray a little bit and added Keanu's character completely, <laughs> I still enjoyed it just based off of the revenge samurai aspect of it. Had you seen it?
3: I had seen it. What'd you think? Um, kind of along the same lines. It was a movie that I really wanted to work. Because it, I, it, I. There was a
2: lot of it that just felt like especially Keanu's storyline, just was unnecessary. Yeah. They, and they tried to shoehorn the stuff in to make it more palatable to American audiences. Yeah,
3: and, and that's I, I, I very much felt which like... Which is
2: why I was surprised there was as little fantasy in it as it was. I thought there was going to be more.
3: I, I, I kind of felt like I w- this would have been much better if it had just been done as a straight foreign film without Keanu. It, it was which kind of
2: weird for it to be even in English. I, I feel okay.
3: bad saying that because I genuinely like Keanu Reeves and I genuinely think Keanu gets excited and, and, and gets this kind of...
2: Oh, yeah, he's a total I mean, he's a nerd. He, and, he, he, yeah. he
3: loves this kind of stuff. And so, oh, he's going to do another one of these. And it's not going to work, but I really want it to work because I think he gets it. I think he knows that he wants it to work, but it just doesn't well, ever really seem to like
2: work. The one he was even more involved with, in, The Man with tai, from Tai Chi, is a phenomenal film and is what you want from a Keanu uh, Japanese... Kung Fu flick.
3: And sometimes it takes him a couple tries to get it right. I mean, he, he did Johnny Mnemonic and not so much, and then he did The Matrix. I was like, oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, sometimes you have to give him a couple tries. Yeah.
2: For finding it at the library and spending two hours watching it, I wasn't too bad off. I might have been a little bit disappointed if I paid the money to see it, but.
1: Yeah,
3: I wouldn't have gone to the theater to see it. Yeah. I didn't go to the theater to see it. I rented it for free, but.
2: Yeah, it, it was enjoyable still. It's not one I would own or go back and watch a lot, but I'm glad I saw it at least once. Uh, and then went to dinner with our friend Blake on Saturday. Hadn't seen him in a while, aside from the deep breath showing. Uh, had Korean for the first time. Korean food. It was pretty good. I never, (laughs) I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I had the ramen. It was really kind of spicier than I expected. And I'm not a huge Asian food fan, so I would, I would recommend it. It's a place in, uh, Lawrence. And then we went to the Renaissance Festival today for a oh, few yeah. hours. Yeah, that was nice.
3: How many tardises? None. <gasps> no tardis. No tardis this year. There were some
2: like stores selling. Some of the booths had some Who-ish related stuff, but not a whole lot of Who representation. A lot of comments on our shirts because we both wore Who shirts. But
4: any spoons? Nobody selling spoons? Actually, yeah. As weaponry.
2: Not as weaponry, oh, yeah. but there was somebody made <clears throat> took a bunch of spoons and made them into like jewelry. And uh, statues and stuff. It was really neat what he did with them,
1: like
3: He's dangling earrings kind of thing. Yeah, um, Sylvester.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you could play them, but well, the this decoration. Because some of them were like melted, and it was, like you kind of had to think a little bit to see it as a spoon. There is no spoon.
3: There is no spoon. <laughs> <There's> no spoon. <laughs> 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 that's pretty
2: much it. I didn't doing much else. A no leftovers left this week because. Uh, the Labor Day weekend last weekend. I bet if you- <laughs> Sorry, <laughs>
4: finale <laughs> I forgot about- I forgot that was the name of that show. Oh left. I am <laughs> right. oh, yeah. right. oh, the food. Wow. <laughs> I thought of that last week. After did we talk about tonight? food last week? Well, well I I thought thought. leftovers and I kept thinking that that shouldn't be airing after like Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> you think it'd be
2: on the food network. Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> What's Staring it with leftovers? Yeah exactly. Leftovers. <laughs> 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 Pretty much it. It's been a quiet week. I bet finished Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus completely. All done.
3: Go ahead. That's not even funny now. I'm just going to let Sorry. it lie. Leftovers. <laughs> just, I just if you. Scary. <laughs> 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 I just bet <laughs> if you went to the Renaissance Festival later in the season, I bet you would probably see a lot of Claire's outfit. Oh, from, I
2: bet now, especially now that it's aired. Obviously, <laughs> you
3: didn't get it today, but yeah, that would have taken a, a feat of engineering to pull that off. But
2: yeah, unless you already had a similar outfit.
3: And customized Close. it, yeah.
2: You know? <laughs> Ironically, uh, having watched Robots of with the night before, earlier in the week, uh, Monday, I came home and Sarah was watching A night still. Just <laughs> 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 so it was kind of a medieval themed movie. I love that week. movie. It's a great movie.
3: Unabashedly, unashamedly, and I'll have words with anybody who says otherwise. <laughs> it's a great film. We didn't film.
2: finish it. She actually started it, uh, I think, Sunday. Uh, and then was watching it kind of picking back up where she left off. And we got to a little shortly after the dance scene and turned it off. It sure. was a movie I didn't think I would like. It really and ended up really enjoying.
3: He well, doesn't like it.
2: No. Not a fan. He doesn't like fun things. It's true. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. He's, he doesn't
1: like being
3: merry. He, he doesn't he like being merry. He doesn't like banter. He doesn't like <laughs> laughing people.
4: <laughs> I'm a lot more like the 12th Doctor than I thought.
3: <laughs> did you guys do anything fun? I did all kinds of stuff. What did you do? Uh,
4: uh, Monday was my father-in-law's birthday, so we went over and celebrated that before I went to work. Back at work all this week, so not a lot going on. I did go to the chiropractor on Wednesday, and, of course, on my drive. <laughs> would you remember something you did? Yeah, I remember something I did. Uh, on my drive, I listened to another companion chronicle by Big Finish. Uh, this time was a fourth doctor story called The Beautiful People with Romana 2. So it was written by – it was not written. It was read by Lola Ward, and not as cleverly – structured this time because this one really just does feel like an audiobook. she's just mm. really kind of reading um but she does a great job and the story itself just really felt like a fourth doctor in romana's story really did in fact it was it was a bit a little in the vein of, of douglas adams just a little bit in the vein mm. um and so it was quite enjoyable it's quite an enjoyable story i was just disappointed that they didn't keep kind of the neat formulaic thing that they've been doing with it in the style. I mean it wasn't even it wasn't even set up as though Romana was recounting the story like they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. It was just the story starts and she's telling the story. And so I started off a little apprehensive because of that, but then just I really got into the story. It's 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 pretty it's fun. It's it's a fun lighthearted it's not really light-hearted because it's got some dark moments, but it's it's just a fun story. It's kind of silly at times, but rightfully so it works really well as a fourth doctor story and i quite enjoyed it Hmm. um and then uh, kids had soccer yesterday morning and then in the afternoon we
2: went to the great Topeka duck race instead of going to see on the planet with me and uh adopted what i remembered that i did adopted a duck third (laughs)
1: showing oh yeah
3: Adopted a
4: duck and, and it didn't win. So, um, but we had fun. Kids had fun because there's like fun and games out there. And then today,
3: who goes around breaking kind of all day. the ducks' ankles in these races <laughs> to prevent them from winning? There's started be watching a racket for this.
4: Started watching football. American football. First week of games. So, watching my fantasy team do relatively well in this first game because I usually suck the first game. So. Which I had first I was <laughs> was dead last last year, so I had first draft pick. So I picked up Jamal, Jamal Charles. Yeah, best pick of the draft. What he's two points today. Projected twenty three points and he scored two points in case he lost. Uh, anyway.
1: That's all I did. Spoilers. But oh, you didn't know? Oh. Kenzie lost today. Jamal.
3: Yeah, I kind of figured.
1: Oh no, they were expected to win this one.
4: Play the Titans
3: every, uh, every season. As a Chiefs fan, I can say this because I am a Chiefs fan. I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. I'm there with them when they win, and I'm there with them when they lose. I'm not a fair weather fan. You guys know that. But as a Chiefs fan, I feel I can comfortably say that every season we start with the highest heights of hope and frequently don't get there.
4: Yeah, but we shouldn't have started the season off as, uh, this, this way, the way that we ended the season last year.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, well. Uh, what did I do this week? I, uh, I worked a lot. We um, lost another manager at work. Not intentionally. That Rest was, in peace. Uh, no, not that kind. Not that kind. <laughs> he, he got raptured. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> up and disappeared. Hanging
4: Literally lost him. Gary Busey.
3: Um, so uh, we're down to two of us now. It's me and Matt. We're the only key holders at the store. So he's working a lot. I'm working a lot. Not as much as him. but uh. <laughs> That's what's... say. la vie! Assistance and management. <laughs> That's why I told you I didn't want to be a key holder. I don't want that responsibility. Um, so there was a lot of that. And then um, Mel and I finished Stargate Atlantis. I don't know if I mentioned that last week or not. No. Because I don't know if we did that last week. It might have been this week. Whenever
2: I don't think you did mention
3: Whenever we did it, we finished Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> And, uh, and like you hoped, uh, it, um, with the tie in, yeah, yes, it did. Oh, nice. A thousand points to the writers for that. Uh, the episode in and of itself, I thought, was a little lackluster for being a finale, you know, but, but all the, all of the setup to it was, was very well done and exceedingly well done. And again, just enjoyable. Um, but I think part of me was part of the lackluster was just me not really wanting to let go of it yet, you know, I, I only had five years. That show had much longer run in it that it could have gone and, oh well um, and then we watched uh, <coughs> what was the other thing we watched we started watching The Strain <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <angry>. oh, get <laughs> old, good old Guillermo del Toro yeah I'm angry about that one why
2: are you angry about it you, well, you understand what they're going to right? yeah
3: but lazy writing Okay, there's lazy initial writing. I could see that. Well, see, here's the deal. There's characters you really don't care about. Well, not even that. If you're going to set up a character to be unlikable, like, okay, you have a dumb character. You have characters to be like, whoa, dude, I think we should go up to the mountainside where, like, the avalanche signs are with all the big warnings that say don't go here and we should go there and, you know, shoot skeet. And then when the avalanche comes, you are not surprised. You're kind of rooting for the avalanche (laughs) at this point because this person has been established as not smart. The Strain does something different. They take this very good... And he's a minor character, but he he starts off and he's like an air traffic controller. And there's something happens on the plane. And so he walks out on the tarmac and the plane's sitting there and he goes, I want you to call FBI, I want you to call CDC, I want you to call Homeland Security, I want you to call this. We lock down the airport, we lock this, we, nobody gets in, nobody gets out, we're going to let the alphabet soup handle it. And it's like, I like this guy because he is handling an unknown crisis in a very m- measured, reasonably intelligent manner.
2: Do you recognize him?
3: No. <laughs> Not 20 minutes later, he hears a noise and he wanders down a dark underground corridor in the airport, stepping over several bodies and pools of blood, where he sees a gigantic bat thing on the floor, and literally leans over to stare at it, and it rises up, sucks all the life out of him, crushes his neck, and he's dead. Now, I don't mind that you put the and I'm using air quotes here, the jump scare factor in there for the oh, something gory and surprising happened! But why did you have to take the intelligent guy and and make him dumb, to get that scare factor in there. I can see that. Why, why did you have to write against type for this? And unfortunately, the pilot episode does all nothing but this. Our lead character is like the head CDC doctor. And he has this very big impassioned speech because the feds are trying to get into the airplane and they're worried about it being a terrorist activity and blah, blah, blah. And he's like... If it's a biologic, it could be this, and the incubation period is such and such, and it could skip from this, and all it would take is this. Do you really want to be the first person through the door? And I'm like, I like this guy. He's cool. He's really, you know. Okay, so we have another good, intelligent, smart-thinking, rational character who, 20 minutes later, they say, well, we've decided that uh, nothing's really wrong with the people, even though of the 240 of them, 236 are dead. And uh, it's not contagious, so we're going to let every we're going to let the survivors go, and open the airport. And he says, "Well, you can't do that." She says, "Do you really want to be responsible for shutting down the airport and ending a six billion dollar you know uh, thing?" And he meekly rolls over and says, "Okay, you're right." Because she's the you know quote unquote the power of the bee. Now her character's fine because she's supposed to be that political he bad guy. Her, His freaking job <laughs> is to shut down the airport. <laughs> He's the CDC doctor. That's his job. Yes, you shut it down. Because he just told you what would happen if this thing got out 20 minutes ago. It would be bad. But she says, we're going to do this. He goes, okay. So that upset me. And then there was the end scene with the morgue guy. (laughs) Morgue guy set up. We're dealing with something with the bodies, and they're oozing this white fluid, and I've I've never seen this before, and they've got these incisions, and it's definitely a biologic, but it's unknown, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. 20 minutes later, he gets a noise, and he turns around, and the heart of one of his victims starts sprouting worms, and he leans over and looks at this and picks it up, wearing nothing but latex gloves. Are you kidding me? Have you ever put on a latex glove? Have you ever torn a latex glove putting it on? These things are not protective of anything. They're used at crime scenes to prevent you from getting fingerprints on something that might be important. That's it. They're not really a protection for you. You know, there's no real barrier here. And you've, you, you've said this is coming from a contamination thing. This is an epidemic, you know, potential thing, you just got off the phone with the smart CDC doctor who put you in charge of it because you're smart and you just got done telling him, I don't know what it is. And you're going to walk over and pick up this organ that has things sprouting out of it and they're they're not, not like, oh look, look, no, it's like a, a full blown, you know, tentacle porn thing. It's just all over the place. And naturally, Tremors. Um, it latches Dang. onto him and then he starts panicking and he's doing this, trying to scrape it off his skin. And I'm just like...
2: Honestly, through my, like the first four episodes, I did not care about a single human. What What brought me back every week was the fascination of how this works. Well, because it's supposed to be vampires.
3: I I, t- I told Mel, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it one more well, episode it's, because they're
2: vampires. It's a parasitic. Vampire. It's a
3: parasitic vampire. Although I really can't get zombies more. Vampires are
2: parasites. But... Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> and infects your the host, and it's a. In, I think, fascinating approach to vampirism. Well, it's not really a vampire, though. Well, it it could, something. could have been a fascinating well, approach. Well, it goes... The,
3: s- the, the story was good enough that I gave it another episode, and the second episode's done much better, because everybody stays... You know, they, 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 they don't... The, the expression revert to type. They stay that way. This is how they were written, this is how they were created, and that's what they do. Fine. And a lot of shows suffer this late where somebody's doing a certain thing and then later in the season or later in a couple of seasons they start to make really dumb decisions and you kind of go, what is the deal with this? And it's because the writers have kind of gotten themselves into a corner and they don't know what to do with it. Fine. I will give you the benefit of the doubt in hopes that you'll figure your way out of it after I've got a couple of seasons invested. You're going to pull this stuff on episode one. It's <laughs> a uphill struggle for me at this point. So I gave it another episode, and it it, it was better. But I, I I'm kind of I like put all my friends on notice that this is a show by show one for me right now because I don't have the time to devote uh, yeah. junk. And if they're going to feed, and I expected so much more from Guillermo del Toro, that he's going to present something <laughs> cool on television. And don't get me wrong, they were directed very well. Which he only did the pilot. It looked phenomenal until somebody did something stupid. My problem is they
2: introduced these characters and he followed them and you don't. I don't give a crap about these... There's not a lot of emotional investment. This guy who was hired to take a box across the river, and that was his part of the pilot, was to get the casket of the main vampire across the river to where it's supposed to be out of the airport. But then we keep following him. Be done with him after he drops it off. I don't need to see this guy again. I don't care about him or his family. Leave him alone. Stick with Filch, because that's the, the actor.
3: Yeah, Filch is in it. Um, David uh, David Bradley, Bradley is the and most I totally fascinating character in the show.
2: Either. Most fascinating character because he has a history of it, and he's just I'm taking these people out, and I have swords, and I'm chopping heads off, and going to town.
3: Yeah, he, he and was, that's
2: when that's when the show is like, okay, I, I can get behind this. He, he Stop. Was, he was very cool dealing with all this other crap that I don't care about, and deal with the actual issue of the vampires.
3: And then. Uh, we did that and what else did we do we went uh saturday went down to alamo draft house in kansas city for a showing of close encounters of the third kind oh (laughs) it was pretty um not pristine just big i mean it was you know it was a 35 millimeter so it had pops and crackles and you know things film grain things you would expect to see but i've never seen it on the big screen So to see that one on the big screen was just like, wow. And I told Mel, I was like, I know we don't have the money. I know we don't really have the time. And it's late. It's like 1030 on a Saturday night. And we're going to run down there. And it's the late show and all this kind of stuff. But I really, really want to go see it.
4: It's one of those movies that I absolutely love now. And I've loved it since high school. But I saw it on the big screen as a young man and was (laughs) bored out of my mind.
2: I think that's how I would be if I returned to contact. I think I would love it. But I, when I watched it in the theater the first time, I was bored out of my mind.
3: Well, Billy came with, and he he was kind of interested. He's like, oh, "I think it was five when it came out." He says, "I think I remember seeing that, but I don't remember it." So he came with, and through the whole thing, he sat on the edge of his seat, just just you know. And, and things are happening, and you know the kid's exploding, age, and, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. It's, that's when I learned to appreciate it. That's when I, I watched again and went, "This is a phenomenal." You know, the kid gets
3: <laughs> snatched out the doorway, and all, all all the exciting stuff, and then it ended. And he was kind of like, "It's like what?" Because mm. that's it. They just they go away, like in peace. Don't tell the sequel. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." You're disappointed they didn't blow anything up, aren't you? Because yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> so there's that generation yeah, gap for yeah. you know yeah, yeah. kids kids that were weaned on Independence Day, and yeah. uh, you know you, you don't get that with that one.
2: I'm impressed that Ghostbusters is still at the theater.
3: That was the like, okay. all this week too. We wanted to go see that one, but then it was like, well, this is a one night only thing. I have yeah. to go see this because I've I've always felt like Jaws. I love Jaws. Jaws is my top three movies of all time. But I always every time I watch Jaws, I get a little frustrated because. Man, what I would not have given to have been in a theater summer of 75 to watch Jaws with a group of people seeing it for the mm. first time. And the thing comes out of the water and popcorn flies and people scream. I just think that would have been such a cool atmosphere. And I was only two, so I didn't really uh, you know, <laughs> didn't really get that. Um, and then they, they did it on a revival thing. And I told them, I was like, we're going to see Jaws. I don't care. Let's right back up right now. We're leaving. And we drove to Kansas City and, and went to, I think that one was at Screenland. Um, and saw Jaws, and it was probably about a hundred people in the theater, but you could tell that people had seen it before. They laughed at the right spots and giggled at things that were coming up, and you know we were all in that mood. But probably about seventy-five of them had never seen Jaws.
2: <laughs> people introducing them for the yeah. first time. Yeah, and nice. you
3: know, it was like the people that knew brought somebody who hadn't, and it was it was so cool <laughs> to see that. And so, Close Encounters was kind of that way for because I there's not a frame of Close Encounters that I it's it's one of those perfect films for me I love the way it's shot I love the way it looks I love I love everything about this movie and to see it in that you know experience was just was just here's the weird thing and I don't get this Close Encounters for those of you who don't know started in 77 and it had this was the theatrical version and it did very well. And Columbia said, hey, we'd like to see what happens inside the spaceship. And Spielberg said, no, nah, you don't want to see that. And I said, no, we really want to know. That's the number one thing. People keep writing in the studio. Would you consider filming the inside of the spaceship? And he said, no. <laughs> and they said, well, we know that there was stuff that you didn't get to put in the movie. What if we gave you a couple million dollars and allowed you to go shoot that stuff? Would you then come back and give us the end? And he thought about it. And he said, okay. So the scene of the boat in the Gobi Desert, mm-hmm. you remember that? That's one of the addeds that was not shot originally the first time around. And there were a couple other things. And then he shot all the stuff of Richard Dreyfus going up into and showing you know, what amounts to a big light show uh, at the end of the movie. Well, he added about 17 minutes worth of footage. So he cut 16 minutes worth of footage to make room for it. And one of the scenes that got cut is the rosebush scene
1: mm.
3: where he's yanking the oh, bushes yeah. out. There. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry. Spoilers, by the way. You haven't seen Close Encounters. That is the the (laughs) pivotal moment of that movie. That's the the, the tipping scale. They have the huge argument the night before, and she wakes up, and she's, Roy, I'm sorry, and he's out there just banging plants together, grinning from ear to ear, and then hucking things through the window, because he's lost it. (laughs) And you need that scene to show how far over the bend he's gone and why she finally leaves. She takes the kids and walks out. Without that scene, you don't really have that. You go immediately from him having this realization that, oh, maybe this is what the mountain's supposed to look like, to having a gigantic one in his living room, and they're gone. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: I've never liked that. But for years, the special edition was the only one that was available. Well, sometime later, when it came out on DVD, Spielberg did the right thing. He left the scenes that he liked from the special edition in the film, recut all the rest of it back in, and then cut the ending off. Nobody wants to see the inside of the spaceship. It's anticlimactic at that point. That was what we watched. Because when they mm. showed the boat, I got concerned. Was like, oh, this is going to be the special edition one, isn't it? And I was like, well, that kind of like makes sense. Because this is probably the last 35-millimeter print that was out in circulation. But it had the rose bushes in there. Huh. But it didn't have the ending with the, the, the inside of the spaceship. And I, So I have no idea where this print came from.
1: Because
3: huh. it's not like it was a, let's <clears throat> run one off the DVD. To, yeah. Or the Blu-ray to send it. because, like I said, it had—you could tell it was—it was a film grain, huh. you know, 70, 80 era print. If a fan put it back together. I have, I have, after have no idea. I have no idea, but i am am i am very, very because that—that's my Close Encounters now. That's the way my brain has retconned that this movie shall be from this day <laughs> forward is that's the version I wanted, and that's what we got. So that was an added bonus of nice. of cool. Um, but we did that, and it worked today. So. A lot of homework. (laughs) How's
2: the history of ice cream?
3: (laughs) History of rock and roll. Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's fine. Underwater basket weaving is fine. (laughs) Math is actually surprisingly fine, although we're getting into that conversion factors and things that... When you, when you when you when you convert over, you know, you're, you're dividing millions by billions. It doesn't really matter because the decimals in the wrong place anyway. <laughs> you know, and I, I have to keep. We'll just make it smaller, and then all of my answers, you know, were not right because they still were, they still weren't there. Too many zeros, um, and it's frustrating because that you know. She she's she's very much on the, you know, if it says estimate, you need just to estimate. You don't have to give us an exact figure. But then there are other problems when she says, well, this is one of those math is absolute and you have to have, you know, there's an absolute truth to this. And it's like Yeah. Because so there's <laughs>
4: fixed points in math? There's fixed points in math <laughs> that you
3: can't change. And then there's others that's like, eh, that's okay. And it's like <laughs> So finally I pinned her down on it because one of one of the questions was hey. <laughs> and of course it's all word problems. It's all word problems anymore. And the question was, okay, so a store sells sodas. This is your math question for the night. Are you ready? A store sells sodas and bottled water. A guy comes up to the to the cashier and the cashier says, what do you got? And he says, I've got 10 sodas and 10 bottles. So can the clerk safely assume that he has a total of 20 items? No. Why?
2: You didn't say bottled water. Correct. He said bottles. Soda, What's your answer? Could soda be in a bottle? I don't
3: know. Yeah. I don't think you can solve it with the information given. Now, according to the instructor... Some,
4: somehow I went into... A guy walks into a bar and he orders soda <laughs> and water. Here's, here's
3: what happened. As soon as I said word problem, 90% of the people out there listening went...
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's the deal. The with, bartender said... <laughs> <laughs> you want this? <laughs> when is a dollar not a dollar? And the man says, well, soda, but what mm-hmm. are you going to give me for it? Ah. <laughs>
3: wow, there was an actual joke to that. What's the real answer? <laughs> no, I, no I, I'm flabbergasted. I'm impressed that there was that you actually had a a guy walks into a bar joke. I just figured you. Were, I just figured you had a guy walking into a bar joke, but not an actual guy walking into a bar joke with, that dealt with sodas and water. I impressed. do improv. I'm impressed. Say yes. Was yes. Doing very good. <laughs> um, the, the, the the correct answer is yes. That he has ten sodas and ten. Bottles of water. You can never
2: but assume anything,
3: ever. Everybody was under the impression it's like, well they didn't tell us that the soda didn't come in bottles. It didn't say cans of soda, it just said sodas, you know. And so she was
1: the hell is that? I don't know,
4: I thought it was a spider- clump of hair.
3: <laughs> is it mine? I don't, I don't know. know, but you
4: were you were dancing it around <laughs> as you were
3: gesturing with your hands. I did have a haircut today. Maybe it fell off of me.
1: It's
3: awfully <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, mine was <laughs> off the That doesn't have <laughs> It's, in it it's the wrong color.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mine's going Capaldi grey, you know? <laughs> Um, But yeah, the the idea being that... And and everybody had a problem. It was like, they didn't tell us that. She like, well, in the spirit of which the question was written, you have to... I was like, no. "No." And I did. I raised my hand. Math is absolute. I I, I raised my hand (laughs) and I said, as an English minor, I can 100% tell you this question is badly worded because you just got done saying... Unless it says estimate, you want an absolute. <laughs> I'm not going to infer the... Only
2: cis deal in absolute. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm,
3: I'm not going to infer that based on the spirit in which the question was asked that you want this answer. I said, I'm not, I don't play games that way. And she said, okay, here's the deal. She says, as long as you can prove to me that this is the, your reasoning for why you gave me the answer you gave me, you'll get credit. Okay. As long as, as long as... So-
4: <laughs> because it's not grammatically
1: correct <laughs> <laughs> from now on <laughs> if
3: you're, if you're, I'm sorry if you're gonna throw word problems they better be right <laughs> I won't pick those apart so yeah that's nice but yeah you know everything else is, is it is what it is
4: should we move on to news news
2: first the news. <laughs> Good news, everyone. <laughs> uh, Peter Capaldi has been named TV Personality of the Year at the 2014 GQ Men of the Year Awards. Congratulations, Peter. His first award is The Doctor. See all you naysayers, he does have personality. <laughs> People have been saying he doesn't have personality. What? Watch some reviews.
4: As The Doctor, he has a very flat personality. I don't think they're right, but no. no, he
3: has a very strong personality. We're just not sure we like it yet. <laughs> I think is, is it's a prickly personality,
2: but no, it's a personality.
4: Yeah, again, as they're doing with as most people do, they're comparing him to Matt Smith and David Tennant, and they're saying he just doesn't have enough personality. But those guys out of the box had this. I think they had he had personality. and he has, he has no personality. I think He's very I think
2: he flat. Has lots of personality. It's just more subdued. Well, can, That's what they're saying. He, flat. He, he, he can play it subtle. That's what they're saying. No, obviously I, people aren't paying it close enough attention. The, <laughs> the, the
3: comparisons and the contrasts are coming. I, I I don't think it's that he's a uh, a, a worse doctor. Yeah, you know, just I like know people saying. Well, but 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 people said, oh, I don't like Davison as well as I like Tom Baker, or I didn't like Colin Baker as well as I like Davison. When you when you go through a change like that, and and I I don't think it's a matter of that he, he you know I don't like Capaldi like I like Smith. But I think it's just because it's such a drastic difference that that's where that automatic comparison comes to. Which for the you, same reason that people are comparing him to Colin Baker's doctor, which, quite honestly, he's really nothing like Colin Baker's doctor. Other than the sternness, he's nothing like Colin Baker's doctor. But it's just because it's such a difference from what we got previously. Whereas or Matt even was the
2: calm to Peter, right?
3: Whereas Matt was a light fairy tale, fun. You know, everything was kind of up here, cotton candy and and, and dental floss kind of doctor.
4: Cotton candy and dental <laughs> floss,
3: yeah, things that make you happy. Dental floss <laughs> makes
2: you happy. Sure, makes dentists happy.
3: Four out of five recommend. I think that's tried in.
2: <laughs> I think
3: five. All,
4: <laughs> I think five out of five doctors recommend dental floss.
3: Which ones? <laughs> The first, second, third, fourth. And Maybe yeah. not. I don't. I don't candy think floss. <laughs> not the first. He didn't smile enough to <laughs> <laughs> warrant your it. You're bringing us reaching cause cause for candy, floss. candy. I was My brain was reaching for candy floss. Because that's cotton candy in I, the UK. Oh, in is Europe. it? Yeah. Oh,
4: candy floss. They don't so call, so it, cotton candy. They
2: call cotton candy. Candy it candy They call
3: it redundancy candy floss. All right. Insert cool adverb of your choice here. It's not even an adverb. Here I am picking apart. Yeah. But insert a noun. Unicorns. It's all cotton candy unicorns. <laughs> not on this podcast. Cotton candy and unicorns. There I was. Okay. I'd have been sold on that one. So Matt Smith's all cotton candy and unicorns. And Peter Capaldi's
2: not. Dental floss.
3: <laughs> He's dental floss.
1: Brown gravy and dental floss. <laughs> yeah, I like brown this. gravy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm
4: not making a, a bad comparison. I there there, there,
2: there, there There's are two things that other people like. There are
4: other flavors. <laughs> That's
2: true. He's a different flavored doctor. A brown flavor. Is that going like to amuse Sean tonight? <laughs> a brown, a brown gravy flavored dental floss? I, you know,
3: ding. That's it right there. Peter Capaldi is the brown gravy doctor that just suddenly. Yes. Justifies it. That suddenly opened the door. I got it. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna put my chair over here in the corner and wait for you guys to finish. <laughs> I'm just gonna go home. No, I, I just think that that's. I have no idea where I was going with. I that. agree with you. I don't. I don't think it's addressing. <laughs> I, I don't addressing, I don't think it's addressing the
4: personality thing. It maybe, Is you're it ranch? trying dressing? to defend the reason why there's people that think he has a flat personality.
2: Yeah, they want they want the Matt Smith personality and they're not getting that
4: Yeah.
0: That's, That's what, what it was comes done down
4: to. They want candy floss and unicorns, and they're getting brown <laughs> gravy and dental floss.
2: <laughs> well, and Sarah brought up a good point that really the difference between David Tennant and Matt Smith wasn't that great. They were, they, were, they were fairly similar doctors. There are some elements, like especially once you get to the romance stuff, that Matt's very awkward and David's not, but... Personality-wise, they're kind of... They're high-intensity, they're high-action, they're running around, they're jumping, they're, dental f- or they're uh, candy floss and <laughs> unicorns. Uh, where I would almost compare Peter closer to Chris if you want to do a comparison to modern, do- quote-unquote modern doctors. I, I, I think
4: David Tennant was more chocolate mousse and bumper cars.
2: I could see that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no <laughs> feedback at com. <travelingthevortex.com>. write <laughs> <laughs> in with your list of what foods the doctors are
2: foods uh, and, and animatol- inanimate fo- foo- objects foods
3: and, and well a unicorn's not an inanimate object
2: in this universe it is nay,
3: nay. mythical <laughs> nay nay they're not mythical at all the 8th doctor saved them or will <laughs> At the Renaissance Festival. Didn't you read my story?
2: (laughs) I saw something that would be perfect for Mel. Or maybe Katrina. It was like a stick horse, but it was a unicorn.
3: Oh, yeah. It was really tempting. Mel may have one of those somewhere. (laughs)
2: That would surprise
3: me. I'm not quite sure.
2: (laughs) Uh, Continuing with news. (laughs) Were we? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we moved into news, didn't we?
1: Uh,
3: (laughs) Traveling with Vortex fails to secure nominations at the GQ Awards for Personality of the Year. (laughs) When asked, they said dental floss. <laughs> Can we make that a swear word? Like tartar sauce on Spongebob. <laughs> oh, dental floss. <laughs> I propose from this day forward.
2: It, it just always makes me think of Mitch Hedberg.
3: I don't think I heard the Mitch Hedberg the Mitch dental Hedberg floss.
2: Hedberg joke, it's... Um...
4: you got to do it like Mitch.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get into the Mitch line of thought. Some people get jittery about quitting smoking. I get jittery about flossing. Hey, man, you look on edge. Did you quit smoking? No, man. I'm about to floss. (laughs) It's along those lines. I don't think I got the words quite right. It was good. It
3: was close.
2: That's the gist of the joke.
3: I miss Mitch Hedberg. I do.
2: You know, I was like a month away from having the opportunity to see him when he passed away. He was coming to Kansas City Uh, like two months before he died. Or after, after he died. Anyways, not sad news. <laughs> <laughs> Filming? It's not brown gravy. Not brown gravy. Uh, not Vimplafon. Like
4: Think you're making those be bad things, and they're not bad things. You're missing my
3: point. No, I, I love brown gravy. It does bad things to me, but... <laughs>
2: Especially on fries.
3: Ooh. House of gravy.
2: <laughs> I was going with poutine, but okay. It's
3: uh, not white gravy, no. Some like chicken gravy. That's um, that's like in the, in the hierarchy of gravies. There's that's up there at the top.
2: Followed by cream chip beef.
3: Yes, Ooh, I like I like cream chip chip beef.
2: Bleep on a shingle. I yes. like that God, I
3: haven't had that in forever. I might have to make that Stouffer's this week
2: now. Has it in frozen? Do they really? Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. Tastes just like dental floss. <laughs> it tastes like it. <laughs>
3: dental floss on a shingle.
2: <laughs>
1: yes.
3: When are we going to do the Traveling the Vortex cookbook?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we really need to.
1: Uh, but then I'd give away a lot of my signature recipes. <laughs> Maybe that could be our special gift for... Our oh, thing. there we <laughs> go. Uh,
3: subscribers.
2: Subscriber, write in. Let me know what recipe you want from us. We give each person their own personalized recipe.
3: Uh, but see, if we, we each come up with a section, and Glenn's will all be desserts, like 3 two, one cake. Yours will actually be culinary arts stuff, <laughs> and mine will be mac and cheese. You buy the blue box. Open box. You rip it open, you mix it up. You want to kick it up a notch, you add hot dogs. Bam.
1: See see those
4: measurements on the side? You don't go by those. They're suggestions. Just fill the,
3: <laughs> those, those fill the pot. Those are not math absolutes, okay? So, fill the pot with water.
2: Boil it till the water's gone. You like it creamy? <laughs> add more milk.
4: You like it cheesier? Add more cheese. I'm sorry. There's only one packet of cheese. Oh, but
3: you know what you can you do? Add
2: shredded cheddar.
3: <laughs> you know oh, what? That would change. <laughs> that,
2: it. That's no, culinary. That, that's uh, culinary. That, uh, that, that, that culinary there. But
3: you know what you can do? You can buy two boxes and throw the noodles out. <laughs> and it's death by cheese. It is so good. <laughs> Oh, don't tell my kids. No, it's it literally, it's like, <laughs> here, you hold on to this, and it's become, this box is the Arts and Crafts Project. I'm going to salvage the <laughs> cheese out of this. And if I can figure out a way to do it. <laughs> Dad, what are we doing this afternoon? Well, we're doing macaroni and yark.
4: Oh, that means we're having death by <laughs> cheese death by tonight. Cheese.
3: The uh, the cheese packets, if I could find a way to get those to coat popcorn Oh, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you just pour that That's in there? The it's too shake yeah, I did have to. No. put it through a sieve. Yeah, we put put gotta f- we gotta find a way put to salt airy, shaker it. Airy. Yeah, make
4: sure yeah. you put the butter on the popcorn first, so that then the little. Cur- oh, how good,
3: how good would oh. mac and cheese popcorn be? be oh good. man! Would it just be cheese popcorn? You <laughs> <not> put <putting laughs>
0: macaroni
3: in there. Well, no, but it would be the the, the it's yeah. Craft. It's not yeah. just cheese popcorn though, because It'd be the, craft cheese. Popcorn. It would be craft cheese. Well, maybe I don't. Does craft make popcorn? I don't think so. Ooh. I've never seen. It. I might have to investigate that. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to end of a crap.
2: I do not believe they do, but I could be wrong. Have we still not moved to this next? <laughs> nope.
4: <laughs> oh, okay. We got to quit being cheesy.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's
3: not easy being cheesy. The director
2: of the 2014 Christmas special has revealed that filming will begin tomorrow. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Shooting up. <laughs> Doctor Who X-Men special tomorrow. We'll serve us again Monday, for four weeks.
3: Monday. <laughs> September 9th. 8th. Monday. 8th. Monday, Monday.
2: It is the 8th. Yes. It's it now is past Monday. Or, no, it's now past Monday. It's now past oh. midnight. You, you know, know what today it's not is? Past
3: Monday, yet. Yeah. Today is talk. Like, William Shatner.
2: Is it? Day. Very good.
3: Yeah. Because today is the anniversary of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you knew it was talked about. This the fiftieth? No. Well, Not next year the
4: forty Next year's is the fiftieth.
3: Forty nine? Yes.
4: Next year's the fiftieth. Yes.
3: Right? No. Forty ninth?
1: Eighth?
3: It was 40. It was sixty six. So we've got it two more years to go. So it's forty eight. Oh, two years from now. Forty eighth anniversary. Right.
1: Right. Oh, Not they they as cool years. as Doctor They've Who's fiftieth.
4: Two 50th.
2: years to gear up for the fiftieth. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they're going to do anything special.
3: <laughs> we'll get a new movie that will suck.
2: Maybe at this rate, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Elson, did you find out the craft from your knowledge, or did I distract you with the? uh...
3: Oh, it comes in a blue can. <laughs> it says "Craft Macaroni and Cheese Cheese Topping" by itself.
2: <gasps> well, oh, um, for popcorn, you don't need to buy two boxes. Boxes of uh, you just add that to shake it, box on of-
3: popcorn and more on your mac and cheese. So oh my! Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah! Why can't we do that? You could.
2: That's what I'm saying. You don't need to buy two boxes now. Why can't we do that? <laughs> you could add it to your Velveeta mac and cheese if you wanted.
4: What would oh, I, I do? Because the would. mac and cheese police will follow you
1: to your house. The <laughs> mac and cheese why police. Why can't we do that?
3: <laughs> well, what would I do with my arts and crafts? <laughs> you, <laughs> I don't know. Who would I give all these macaroni necklaces that I've been making to? <laughs>
2: You're, you're, oh, you can still give them to your mom I can here. send
3: them to our supporters. Because <laughs> I already have a drawer full of them.
4: Our three subscribers are going to get a bag of macaroni. <laughs> a bag of macaroni and cheese. Oh, they're second guessing. They're pulling their subscriptions now. <laughs> no, do and, not send me macaroni. And remember, you asked for it. <laughs>
3: there is craft macaroni and cheese topping.
2: I
4: never seen it in the store. Me
2: neither. Uh, I wonder yeah. if it's online only. You have
3: to order it online. Ooh, Amazon.com. Hello. Of course. How much? Well, that's another link, Keith. Hold on. I thought you
2: clicked on the Amazon link. I'm no, sorry. I, was just, I was just
3: looking at the picture. <laughs> Sign up to be notified when this item is available. What oh the hell?
2: no! Either it's not out yet, or it's how dare
3: you toy with my emotions <laughs> like this? No.
2: <clears throat> okay. Um,
4: it hasn't reached federal <laughs> approval yet because you know high quantities of that is dangerous. <laughs> Soap.
3: dot com. This product That's is not genes. available. <laughs> no. Well, we might still be doing arts and crafts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, other news. Uh, there was an a scene from Robots of Sherwood cut. Robots of Sherwood. Sorry, I'm going to
4: keep doing. I that. even changed it on your news list. You had
2: robots, and I changed it. I had to robots. Robot.
4: Yeah, hit robots. Robots. Robots.
2: Uh, so obviously spoiler flag here, if you haven't seen the episode. We're gonna review it. I think we've already flown this flag. Just to be on the safe side. Some people might listen up to to feedback and then stop until they watch the episode. What? Or until we review it.
4: Why? Point taken.
2: It's possible. <laughs> Some people juggle geese. <laughs> what? You don't remember that? <laughs> i <laughs> you got it. It's my favorite thing of, why would somebody do that? Some people jumble geese. It's a line from Firefly. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it? <laughs> Is it our Mrs. Reynolds or is it a different one? It's no, okay. Janestown.
3: It's Janestown,
2: I yeah, think. The, I love Janestown. <laughs> I've probably seen that more than any. Oh, There's some washes going on about, I visited this whole country, this whole planet. Their main hobby was juggling geese. Oh, I, re- I do remember that. And then later he goes, some people juggle geese.
4: I remember that. Okay, I do
1: remember that.
2: <laughs> I've even got Sarah saying, it. For, why would somebody do that? Well, some people juggle geese. Oh, the scene that was cut. Uh, the reason it was cut is.
3: You said this was not a sad news article. <laughs> okay, well, I.
2: I okay. The I'm reason correct. it was cut was okay. for the sensitivity, the sensitivity of the fact that we've oh.
4: recently had two American general j- journalists who have had. Have been beheaded recently and, and by the ISIS. And possibility even of, a, of a British
2: citizen becoming right. One so, well,
4: it, it doesn't matter who it is, but the, the, that that is out there in the news, and they were being sensitive by editing that uh, this particular scene. And I completely, wholeheartedly agree with them. I, um, I, I agree with why they cut. I, I think that same. is perfectly fine. Um, I, I almost bet we'll see maybe It'll a version the, of it on the DVD or the, at least uh, the deleted Blu-rays. scene.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, so what happens is in the sword fight Robin chops off the sheriff's head uh and then the sheriff kind of gets up starts talking revealing that the skyship fell on him and the knights made him half robot and then uh it kind of proceeds in a different way that ends up with the sheriff still in the uh, vat of gold I guess that's what it was gold so it's it, it kind of I kind of Never got a clear answer in the episode of was the sheriff human or was he a robot? And so I, I, I kind of like that it clarifies it. It doesn't. No, quite... Glenn you,
3: you're, like you're absolutely wrong. He was a robot. <coughs>
4: you're absolutely he was wrong. No, and the reason why that he shouldn't I, well, obviously that was the intent. So you don't have to prove anything no, to I, anybody no, I can, without but knowing I loved, that scene was I in there. I love the way that it they left the question as to whether. Robin was a robot because they never answered that. I presume that he was a real man, and that's what I liked about that. Well, I, I and think if you had, if you had, but if present. you had made the sheriff be a robot, then I think that that would have that would have put doubt in your mind, more doubt in your mind that that Robin was real. And I, I think that they left it in such a way that it worked wonderfully with the fact that some. Myths and legends are based on fact, and the reality of it is forgotten, and the legend grows. And I think that's how they left the episode, and that's what I loved about that. And I love the fact that the robots were simply just robots. They didn't have to make robots out of anybody. The robots were themselves, and they basically the idea was that this radiation leak... Was creating this this utopic uh, Robin or uh, uh, Sherwood Forest, and that they, the they were influencing the surrounding people, and that's why we have the legend of Robin Hood because this actually did in fact take place. It was just influenced by outside influences, and I, I loved that idea. And when you make the sheriff a robot, then it. it to me, it brings that idea and that, that, that beautiful statement down to the fact that, oh well, we have to have a robot bad guy. No, we didn't have to have a robot bad guy. We had a good guy and a bad guy, and it was all influenced by an outside event. And I, I that that makes it perfect. And so when you tell me that he was a robot, and if I had seen that, I'd have been disappointed with the idea that, oh, well, one's a robot, so why why doesn't that mean everybody – well, all of the Merry Men were robots and, and – it.
2: So there was that deleted scene.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we're all on the same page that Robin was a real man. Yes, Robin was absolutely. A real man.
2: And all the merry men were real men. Yeah,
3: okay. Actually, I, I honestly don't think the sheriff was either. I think the sheriff was a real man. Uh, that's the he Im- was at
2: one point a real man.
3: That's the impression that I got from the episode as presented. I think the sheriff was real as well.
2: Sean, you have another bit of news. I did. You put it on there. Or did you put that on?
3: I put it on there because he brought it up.
2: Morris uh, versus Moffitt.
3: Oh, that. Okay. Um, yeah. So this news broke. Um, I don't know how in depth we want to go into this, but I don't think we need to read the whole I'm not going to read the whole article. Uh, apparently, there was a, a post from who did this? Uh, bleedingcool.com on September 1st this week. That uh, Philip Morris, our uh, hero of the, the downtrodden Missing Who episodes... I'm
4: starting to think he's not so much a hero. That you? may not be yeah. so much of a hero, at least in <laughs> our eyes, uh,
3: because uh, uh, apparently, according to Philip Morris and uh, some posts that he had on Facebook...
4: summarizing, them, though. Don't read them
3: all. Summarizing okay. that um, the individuals who may be in possession of these rumored Missing episodes... One of the conditions, supposedly, on their relinquishing these is the removal of Stephen Moffat as showrunner of Doctor Who, because they want the episodes to be treated um, and, and you know, revamped and uh, you know prettied up, and currently BBC Worldwide just wants to release them as is and, and get them out there. Uh, and somehow these opinions are tied in with the fact that See, I, Moffat that, that, is showrunner. The,
2: that's the point I don't get.
3: Yeah, it's really that kind seems, of two that different seems to be a BBC things. Thing. Yeah, it's it's really kind of two different complaints. One is that BBC wants to make the money off of it, and two is that oh, and and Moffat's got to go. Um, Philip Morris came down on the side of of, of not being a Moffat fan. Um, he, he, he had nothing but uh, uh, praise for his writing skills, but just that he was not a fan of the direction the show had been going and the. Uh, um, fairy tale type fantasy storytelling, and supposedly that there—if these episodes have in fact been found—that there may be people who are willing to hold on to them until Stephen Moffat is no longer showrunning. Which I think is kind of the interesting nugget to take out of this particular story is that maybe that's why we keep hearing rumors of this Omni rumor of so many more episodes have been located, and yet we're not getting anything.
2: Well, I also wonder if this is this one of the sources of the idea of. Moffat's leaving The this person could be the new showrunner because we've seen a couple of at least I've seen a couple of rumors that Moffat's leaving and this person's going to take over and Philip Morris name's name dropped the person I've seen the name coming so I don't know if he's just seen the rumors or if he's the source of the rumors which wouldn't surprise could me could go either way that's probably where they, they picked the ball up and ran with that
4: yeah. um yeah. What do you guys think of people holding things hostage just because they don't like a particular aspect of the show?
2: I don't think that's fair to... If he's a fan, to his fellow fans. I yeah. understand the negotiating so that they get restored properly. I understand that, that I completely understand of, well, don't just put them out there just to make money. Let's make sure they look good. But not wanting to give... What something you supposedly love to other people you love because you don't like who's in charge of something that's quasi related, it's under the umbrella, but one side of the umbrella to the other. I mean, it's,
3: I suppose, there's also a, a huge ethical debate that could be had on the you know, you, you have in your possession material that realistically you shouldn't have in your possession. I mean, at, at a fundamental base, it was a recording that was at the TV station, or, or and however you came into possession for it, I bid on it and I bought it. Okay, fine. It was supposed to have been destroyed. It really wasn't theirs to sell you. Well, that's true. You know, however you came into the possession of this. Do you then have an ethical or moral obligation to return this item to the original copyright let's, owner?
4: Let's not go to ethical or moral. Let's go to legal.
3: Or legal. Because oh, yeah. a judge
4: could ultimately decide that because that material was originally property of the BBC, which it is and
2: it's still in fact everything by. that goes
4: out, in my opinion, not have anything to do with copyright. It has to do with possession. Hmm. And here's the real property. Here's the reason I say that. It's because it's my understanding from what I have read of of things that all of this material went out marked property of the BBC. And the intention was that when it went out and was broadcast, it was either A, immediately destroyed afterwards, or soon afterwards, or B, it was to be returned to the BBC. And that's a practice that happens to, to, to this very day. When a movie re- studio or a television studio releases a copy of what's called a screener, it is always considered property of that particular um, company. And now, while the majority of the time the screener never finds its way back to... The company that provided it—that's neither here nor there, but legally, it's still its credit that. So, if this was the case forty odd years ago when these went out, a judge could look at that and rule that they are legal property of the BBC and must be returned to the B- to the to the property order. Now, what you're running into now is is we have crossed jurisdictions with much of this material. So it would be it would it would be hoops and hurdles and red tape galore to finally come down to the fact of the BBC actually recovering it in this way. So that's probably why the BBC is not approaching that and has entered into negotiations. So oh, was just, just from I'm mean, not a lawyer <laughs> but I know just a smidge about the law. But if, from my understanding, that is correct, then that ultimately makes it a legal obligation and not a moral
2: or ethical obligation. So, Fair enough. Sorry about that.
3: No, no, you're, you're quite right. I mean, more it,
2: evidence, he should just hand it over.
3: But uh, foregoing that, which you're, you're right, I believe the BBC is entering into these negotiations probably because it's cheaper <laughs> than attempting to pursue it legally. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pay you back for it. Okay, fine. But don't you think you would still have... I, I I agree with you. I I would I I would want it written into the negotiations that you're going to go back and clean it up and not just put it out there. Put it out there. But
2: which I would hope they would do anyway. They've got it so streamlined. That's just
3: it. I, I don't understand. I'm I'm still kind of flabbergasted that we don't have special editions of Enemy of the World and 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 uh, Web of Fear. Just considering,
2: but those are still cleaned up. Well, The way, right. the way that I mean, the, makes it sound they they did, is they just want to put it those, out there. I believe yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, just, uh, but you know, I don't know. I at, just
2: at the it, very it, what, what, what holding it back because you don't like Stephen Moffat is that's like, just asinine. It's sorry. like there's I mean,
3: ethical
4: it's and you know, it's, it's it's
2: like if an episode of original Star Trek was missing and you had it, but you don't like J.J. Abrams, so you're not going to give it back. That's pretty much what it is. It makes no sense at all.
3: Yeah,
4: here's what it boils down to: it is chicken dental floss. <laughs> because i think that i my my feelings of philip morris have gone from a plus individual to nearly a c average now and the reason being is because the man continues that he could remain silent on all of these issues no matter how frustrating the negotiation put pop-
2: and just wait for a memoir. And just
4: get the job done. And if he wanted to vent this frustration later, then that is fine. But he continues to put out there these little snippets in order
2: to—he's he, feeding the rumor. To well, keep himself he is. Also and the in, problem in is, the is we have
4: people like—and God bless him, Ian Levine. We have people like them who are stirring the pot. We have pe- We have the Doctor Hugh community that continues to banter and. <laughs> complain uh-huh. about this <laughs> and bellyache about all of this in the public eye. And there's no way you can contain that. The Internet is th- this that's, beast that's that has, internet, has yeah. generated this. But I think, unfortunately, when Philip Morris steps in and does this to try to bait the Dr. Hugh community into picking sides and use that as leverage in some sort of negotiations, that does not make him a very good individual. Nope. The BBC has st- has not – said anything about this because they are a corporation that understands the rules and the issues that come come out of something like this.
3: Yeah, they just don't know how to keep stuff under wraps. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> that's that's yeah, a whole different is. issue.
4: And So, when Philip Morris comes out and says, the individuals that I'm working with want this, unfortunately, I default to I've got a friend that really likes you. Or doesn't like you. It's never their your friend. It's the individual saying it. Whoa, yeah. And that's what it makes it look like with Morris. I automatically default to that. And I, I think this is absolutely asinine that we continue to perpetuate this conversation outside of the people that need to be having this conversation. And they just need to get their ducks in a row and get this taken care of so that we all as fans can enter, can enjoy it. Well, and I understand how strange
3: is it that we go from Philip Morris to the last, you know, recorded communique that we got was let it lie because we've got teams out there in dangerous areas and we don't want to screw this up. We don't want the negotiations to go south. We don't want to ruin because it because I
4: get the impression in danger is over.
3: Well, maybe, maybe uh, not. Well, if, if,
4: they, still, if they have everything
3: locked up in barrel, but who saying. knows? Yeah. Oh, whoa! I'm sorry. Back up. Say that again. What? <laughs> but what you just said. I agree.
4: That, what did I say?
3: That, that, that we have everything locked, stock, no. and barrel. <laughs> I agree. I,
4: no, I agree that that would be the... I think I don't think everything locked, stock, and barrel,
3: but I think we've got a good chunk of stuff, okay. obviously, because we're talking about this. Okay. I, just, I think it's, it's
4: not locked stock, and barrel. We, we've, well. yeah, we've already why discussed why it can't that, be
3: locked, stock, and barrel. Everything that can be recovered. The omni rumor. We, from this day forward, I will sure. refer I to the, the omni rumor. as everything yeah, that can be recovered.
4: For the sake of argument, I will agree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because I don't believe the Omni rumor. I don't think everything is there.
3: Even the stuff that that can be recovered.
4: I don't think it's all there. But I think there's a good chunk of it. A good now. chunk. Of I've it, got yeah. a good. I've got a good feeling about that.
3: Okay. Well, I just think it's weird that we went from that to, you know, and, and that was what we talked about was that you know yeah we totally agree with him to stop stirring the pot. This totally this seems like pot. stirring the pot it, to me. It,
2: it, it's not. I mean, I don't cook. Seem, but totally <laughs> this, is. Is,
3: this is this is what this is. So I don't get it. My hat's here.
2: Yes. Oh, oh. I, I, I kept forgetting to text Sean. Your hat's here, by the way.
3: I was looking for it earlier this week, and I didn't know where it went. I didn't think of it. I didn't think to look here. I just looked up and saw my hat.
2: I kept seeing it and think I need to text Sean. So something else, and, and I,
4: I realize I'm the one after you brought it up. Put this on here <laughs> to talk about. But and you're I tired think, of talking. No, right? I, I, I'm, I, I'm, it's not that I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of. Feeling like we continue to run around in circles like on this issue. With us. That is not, it's not even so much that. Anything that comes out about these missing episodes, it does nothing for the community to speculate and discuss and debate and talk about this because it is in nobody's hands but Philip Morris and his guy company and the BBC. That's who it's between. And we all need to sit back. And be patient and let it play itself well, out. Well, and
3: whoever the individual and are the,
4: any them. amount of pleading or trying to influence people from me is not going to do a dang thing to put this to rest. He's not going to listen to it. But of I us. really come down on the fact that we have just got to stop talking about this because people want <laughs> not just not not just us on this podcast. I mean the community as a as a, as a whole because.
3: See how he did that. I love I, I brought fact- it and said, Do you want to talk about it or not? And <laughs> and I mean, says, yes, We're gonna yeah, talk about it. Because I want to put the final stamp on an opportunity we shouldn't talk about because this. I want to put the
4: final stamp on this because nothing that anybody does on this other than hopeful thinking or wishful thinking is a, it it doesn't do anything at all for a reputation of the community. It does nothing for anything besides making us look bad. And making two parties that have a conversation go on look bad, it's its its dumb. It's There's so many things out there now. There's so much to love about Doctor Who. And this whole thing with Moffat, I don't care if you love him or you hate him, he's in charge. It's got to play it out. And I get so mad with this. We're such... Fanatics over this show that we feel like we have ownership of this and we feel like that that we we should be driving the ship. And when you've got everybody on a ship trying to steer the thing, the first thing that's going to happen is run into an iceberg and it's going to sink. And we got to get out of that mentality and stop. Too soon? Nah, it's been 100
2: years. I'm sorry, I was just laughing because of the tweet of describing the movie badly for Titanic. Did you guys see that trend? Uh-uh. Ship hits iceberg, ruins icebergs today. <laughs> <laughs> a, a biggest ship in the world hits iceberg and ruins icebergs today. Uh, I'm sorry to my listeners
4: or our listeners that I keep pulling my soapbox out of here. <laughs> I'm
2: shoving it aside.
4: You've
3: been vocal tonight. Just
2: mm. I agree, I'm tired of hearing it. Well, we agree on
1: something tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I said, it's just... Um, I, I don't know. I, and I, I have so much less respect for Philip Morris now.
3: Well, and, uh, you know, there, there was a tweet that he posted back on the 27th of August. Before this article. Before this article that says, Any announcements concerning missing TV episodes are made officially by TIEA, the BBC, or the BFI, not by rumor mongers.
2: <laughs> okay, Mr. Rumor monger.
3: Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's in line with the Philip Morris that we've gotten previously. I don't know what this Facebook thing is all about that the, the Bleeding Cool is reporting he because that
4: even be really Philip Morris and
3: well, it makes me wonder. Blaming it the poor be. guy. <laughs> and he's, not, he's not even. Maybe 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 he's been kidnapped by some sort of Nigerian who terrorist and they're forcing him to put you know stuff out there to stir the pot.
2: Or his Facebook was hacked.
3: I don't think it was a Facebook hack. I think it was a it was a conversation that he was having with. Um,
2: oh. I thought it was posts. On well, it, 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 it
3: was done through, today on Facebook, not confirming, and I don't know, It was. I, I, I could be wrong, but the way I'm interpreting the article. Without
4: seeing the actual Facebook post, exactly. it's hard to tell. It, it's
3: yeah. hard to tell. How the the, the way that, that I interpret the Bleeding Cool article is that it was a conversation with him, but it was mainly just chunks of dialogue that he did through Facebook with them.
2: Okay,
3: which I don't know maybe oh, you can
4: also remember Bleeding Cool News yeah, That's the first like... print of Phantom Menace and they saw it and they loved it thought it was the best Star Wars movie ever so.
3: <laughs> I think it's going to be the first sequel since The Godfather 2 to get an Academy Award nomination <laughs> for Best Picture
4: well they thought it was as good as uh, The Godfather 3 so.
3: <laughs> arguably <laughs> it, was,
1: it was as good it as
2: was as it good as Godfather was, 3 they had a point that's it for news. Oh.
4: <laughs> 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 <sighs> <sighs> uh-huh. Can we go back to being merry men?
2: Merry
3: men! Ha ha!
4: Ho Hee hee! the funny farm
3: life is... <laughs> <laughs> Feedback! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of those nights...
2: One of those nights First up is Mark L Mark writes A subject this time Crap That set the bar too high This feedback has no context at all Mm -hmm. Hi guys Just thought I'd write in and ask If you saw the similarities Between this episode And the third Doctor episode The Time Warrior (laughs) Indeed I went back and watched the episode After Robot of Sherwood aired And realized that it's basically A retelling of the third Doctor story Only without Santarn and Castle Ship And a Castle Ship the simil- similarities were endless. Another medieval guy trying to be king because of some plot. Apples galore. Archery in the courtyard. The doctor with a great shot. And, ah, probably because he used an arrow as a, with a homing beacon. Retconned. <laughs> Robots made to look like suits of armor. Slavery of local primitive villagers for the means of rebuilding a ship. Sword fighting only without a spoon. The use of mirrors to reflect rays of future tech. And that's just, that's only some of the similarities. I,
4: I just... I had to go keep the merry men from being so merry in the background. <laughs> there were
2: some merry men.
3: It sounded uh, like we drove
2: through a cocktail party. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Apologies, Mark.
2: I just figured, I don't know what, why that quieted them, but okay. Oh, you closed that. We'll we'll reopen it when we start to get warm. Oh, I saw that you raised the blind up. Yeah, I raised the blind (laughs) up, and now you don't hear them. They're they're crazy. crazy. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I was too busy reading to see what you were doing. This nice little buffer
4: (laughs) of air, of (laughs) of emptiness.
2: I just figured I'd point them out in case you didn't catch them. There seems to be too many to just be a coincidence, as they're not all typical medieval tropes.
3: I didn't catch any of that, Mark. Thanks for ruining the episode for me. <laughs> I, I, I was know, all set to come into Robot of Sherwood with a glowing review, and now it's like, eh, it's been done.
2: Well, it, it kind of is in line with <laughs> This was another week that breath. I watched it and went, oh, we
3: paired this with the wrong one again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I had fun with, uh, you fell asleep. Oh, and, androids had, is,
4: had a, is a, androids. a is good, good show. I just, yeah. this would have paired better with
2: the, uh, Time Warrior. Thank you, Time Warrior. Uh, he says, I'm looking forward to hearing this week's review. Have a good one. P.S. It was me who jumped behind the magazine rack when you guys decided to make <laughs> a loud noise. Not Alex. Not, Alex, yeah. Not a problem, No, We've grown used to being Malix over the years. Although Alex hasn't grown used to being incredibly handsome and charming. And damn it, Alex, stop trying typing. This is my feedback. <laughs> All the best, fellas.
1: Thank, Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> 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 Sorry, you guys didn't get
3: on that one. Glenn Kasha. We've become Glenn Kasha. <laughs> Glenn Kisha. Glenn, Keisha. Glenn, Keisha. Glenn Keisha. <laughs> Who's next? Up next is Dan. With a hyphen.
4: And
0: Dan sent in audio. Feedback. Yeah. So
4: let's give it a
1: listen.
0: <laughs> hey, guys. It's Dan. I know it's been a while. It uh, seems like this summer I've been lagging behind here on pretty much every podcast I've been listening to. So. I think I'm still a couple of weeks behind on a few, but uh, see if I can catch up here a little bit on the, some of the reviews. Uh, deep Breath, um, long story short, I think Waiting to Exhale was already used as another title and uh, probably would have got uh, the wrong impression. Uh, Into the Dalek, The um, you guys had mentioned about the, the costume getting uh, Soiled and slimed in the second episode, it's. Uh, I'm beginning to wonder if that's uh, Steve Moffat's way of initiating the uh, the new Doctors, because in the second episode of Matt Smith, uh, Beast Below, he uh, well as he said it wasn't going to be high on dignity, sliding down into the mouth of the beast, and also now we've seen a Cyberman become a pseudo companion like Handles. Is uh, Rusty going to return to be uh, a Dalek companion? Of course, I think you guys may have already mentioned that. Alright, Robots of Shorewood. Um Well, let's see. Shortly after uh, watching that, we turned around and watched uh, a movie called God's Not Dead. And uh, I noticed both shows seemed to have about the uh, almost the same premise. Both shows represented uh, legends that history couldn't remember whether they were real or not. But but in spite of that, the legends could inspire us to be more than ourselves. Um, Now, I was waiting for Iron Gron and Lynx to show up, the Santarn, and maybe even a a peek at John Pertwee, peeking around the corner or something in the castle. But uh, at least we got a uh, Patrick Troughton cameo uh, from the Robin Hood pictures. And I noticed that uh, we're also going back again with the Puddingheads uh, reference, and also the uh, the guy that played the sheriff of Nottingham, Ben Miller. I almost expected, just by the way he looked, to be possibly a return of the master, uh, an older version of the master. You know, the uh, DeGado Ainley uh, vintage. Then we've also got a another. Uh, <laughs> Another rocket disguised as a castle, like in State of Decay, but uh, we don't have the vampires. But instead of uh, Raslan's bow ships, um, we do have Robin launching that golden arrow at the ship. So, I don't know, another reference there or am I seeing too much into it? Uh, I've also got on here my notes um, in reference to the Tick and the Doctor Spoon. I'll leave it there. And, uh, as far as the question is, uh, who is Missy? Well, I seem to recall, uh, Matt Smith talking about during the Christmas episode, um, creating a boyfriend and having to get rid of it, uh, an android. I'm beginning to wonder if Missy isn't maybe the missing boyfriend-girlfriend android. Just a thought. So, anyway, guys, uh, thanks again for all the shows and the Friday Night Who and, uh, We'll catch up with you later. Thanks.
2: So I think Dan is agreeing that Missy is the master. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the the, shock the Anna, shocker shock shock android <laughs> master.
2: Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I think they you know, should have almost gone a step further with the Patrick Troughton picture. I'll there tell you. this gone through all of the people who have played Robin.
4: Yeah, I was kind of surprised they only showed one picture. Yeah. I mean, uh, real One photograph. actual picture. Yeah, photograph. And it um, wasn't um, and I, Errol? Part of me Flynn. thinks with Sorry. the <laughs> I'm still on Shatner day. Errol, uh, Prince, Flynn. Errol um, Flynn. The uh, I, I,
3: I'm <laughs> that would have been a good place to put Daffy.
4: I'm of two minds <laughs> with you relating it to State of Decay because number one, I didn't see that, but and I don't know that they were really approaching that. But on the flip side, there were so many references to classic Who in this that I love it. That's one more. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept that. I, I like that. I like
2: that a lot. And I think uh, the I like getting the Doctor wet. Take, this episode takes it a step further, and now I want to see Peter Capaldi submerged in every Everest episode. Because <laughs> going back to deep breath. We didn't see it. Glenn pointed it out to me before the show. We didn't see him afterwards, but he was still submerged.
3: He jumped in the w- water. We jumped off in the trench, and he fell on the mud before he had the. the I mean, these are both before he had the costume yeah, yeah. on, but
4: but still, he's but was covered submerged. in slime and
3: covered in slime
4: so. water.
1: So,
3: any excuse to ooze him,
1: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It I, makes I, me
3: I, think Moffat's playing a cruel joke on me. <laughs> well, oh, you want to be the doctor? It's not okay. so fun. It's, it's, it's like uh, Tim Burton directing Johnny Depp. At some point, poor Johnny's going to be covered in blood. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the way it works. Um, I, I like the idea of the... I, I kind of agreed. It was like the, 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 the sheriff with the, the beard and everything. I was like, oh, it's the master! They went to the master. I was like, <laughs> oh. He does look him back to mainly more so than Delgado, yeah, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Think. That would have been such a cool reveal.
2: I don't think I've even fully seen that episode. Or maybe that Sean's him in the beard like that. Yeah,
4: yeah. Maybe Sean's uh, belief that the uh, warlord was the master in or not the warlord. The uh, yeah. Uh,
1: war yes. yeah, war
4: chief. War with, cra- with the crazy yeah. cinnamon beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ty- uh, he likes uh,
1: his
2: facial hair.
0: Wargames War games, You'll you. get there eventually
4: yep. <laughs> Mind not functioning
2: Ha 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 Up next is Mark
4: Another Mark A different Mark Different Mark writes Feedback submitted <laughs> My thoughts on sh- Robert Whoa, 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 whoa. That's your turn Oh, we (laughs) rearrange the table, then I'm the one that messed up. Sorry.
3: You rely on you tell me this is not a big deal. We're going to go the same order. I'm all set because Keith pointed to me. He gave me my cue to let me know that yes, I am in fact next reading. And then you did an audio. I'm sorry. And confused me. (laughs) And then he pointed at me again and said, "This is your turn to read." Always looking at at Keith. So, do you
4: want to read? I can't look at Keith because he thinks that Robin was a robot.
3: <laughs>
2: Robin was totally a robot. All right. <laughs> he's going to come back in the season finale and take his head off and just start uh. talking. <laughs> because he's a robot. Uh, maybe he became handles. <laughs> Ooh. he got uh, he got upgraded.
1: <laughs> that,
3: that 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 brings to me another another theory, but I'll hold on to it until later. Um
4: you can read Mark. You want me to read <laughs> Another Mark? Mark. Go ahead. I don't care one way no. or the other. Okay. You're right. We said that a pre-show, and I broke the rule. Okay. Glenn's trying to confuse me. All right. Mark says, my... Th- no. <laughs> Go. Where's <laughs> sure. Sean?
3: My thoughts on Robot of Sherwood. What a terrible... Ep- I don't want to read this. Wait.
2: he. he you missed the line.
3: I did? After it's a been a while since I... Oh, yeah. Comment question. It's been a while since I last emailed the show. My thought on Robot of Sherwood. What a terrible episode. Yeah, see, I don't want to read this when you take over.
4: <laughs> Coming from Nottingham, <laughs> I think I get Robin Hood overload. Okay, I'll give you that. Any portrayal of our local legend is a turnoff. Why? Because there's always, they're always full of cliché and rarely un- uncover anything new about the legend. For me, most Robin Hood adventures are corny. This one is no exception. The last time I was so anti a Doctor Who episode was A Town Called Mercy. Again, modern portrayals of Westerns come across as corny. And breathe. On now, another note, what is the Doctor writing on his chalkboards? My theory is that he's trying to calculate how to get to Gallifrey or even where it is. Cheers. Apologies for the rant.
2: <laughs> I like it, Mark. That's the best explanation I've seen for the for the chalkboard. For the chalkboard. For the chalkboard. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll buy that. And yeah. I can understand why. It's kind of like we get sick of, to an extent, Wizard of Oz. To an extent.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I, to you know. the outside references for, for, to Oz. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Not so much watching it, but... For, first of all, Mark, you never ever ever have to apologize for a rant. <laughs> uh, especially when it's one paragraph and um, not terribly venom-filled. Uh, so, <laughs> you, you go right on, writing letters. However, I'm going to challenge you from the standpoint that uh, they're always f- full of cliche and rarely uncover anything new about the legend. This one totally uncovered new stuff. <laughs> the Sheriff of Nottingham was a robot! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't get any more new than that. <laughs>
2: That's I'll, as new uh, as you uh, get.
4: Uh, I'll defend that. I'll defend against that here when we get into the review. So okay. We don't. We don't. <laughs> once we get to the I'm, review, of us, we're gonna go. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's good. That's it. <laughs> Hated it.
3: <laughs> I'm teasing you, Mark, of course. But all right. So now that we've gone out of order,
2: up next is Holly. And he, Now we're just gonna go this way.
3: Motion's to me. All right. Holly writes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going
0: clockwise. <laughs> Go. No, we're going <laughs> clockwise now. We've already established.
3: We always go clockwise.
2: No, we would have been going counterclockwise.
3: Oh, it's because we, Glenn's we in the have. wrong spot. Where you are.
2: You're in the wrong spot. No, Keith and I
3: I'm, are always across from each other. I am other. exactly where I should be. <laughs> you and I are in the there wrong spot. You okay. guys. All right, I'll give him that. This, I'm, this, I'm Sheldon. This is my spot.
2: Oh, we, we rotated the table, too. Holly writes... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs>
4: Holly writes, What do you mean the sonic screwdriver is not a valid plan? Hey, guys, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm loving all the interactions between Clara and the Doctor. There was so much I enjoyed in this episode. The duel between Robin and the Doctor, nothing like bringing a spoon to a sword fight. Also note, to any future enemies, don't harm the doctor's suit. (laughs) Back to Robin and the doctor almost at every turn, the two of them trying to one-up each other to impress Clara, and she's not having any of it at all, and even the doctor himself, on one or two occasions. Love the mentions of the miniscope. (laughs) I don't know if if I've said this, but I love the little extra touches in the TARDIS this series. The bookshelves are one, and I saw a couple of uh, side tables, wondering what the Doctor was writing about on the chalkboard. The TARDIS transition circuit must be on the fritz. The ending was great, Robin telling the Doctor that if they become stories, that there's a good chance those who read them will become will become heroes in their name. Plus, I was happy that Missy didn't make an appearance in this story. Well, I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on this
2: episode.
3: Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. The screwdriver is not a valid plan.
2: <laughs> we'll get to our thoughts in a moment, but first Kirk. Kirk writes <laughs> I was gonna take it. <laughs> I know. Oh okay. Just wanna make sure he wasn't going to. Hey guys. Oh I just page down. Sorry. Uh, Robot of Sherwood. Hey guys, I've been enjoying your podcast as always. Here are my thoughts on Robot of Sherwood in season eight. Only ten minutes in the Robot of Sherwood and I knew my this Knew that it was my favorite Peter Capaldi episode so far. I enjoyed Deep Breath and Into the Dalek, but felt that we weren't getting the new Doctor in focus. This episode took care of that for me. Capaldi and Coleman were given room to shine, both separately and together. Silly episodes of Doctor Who can easily go wrong, but this one struck most of the right notes for me. Here are some random thoughts. When the doctor pulled out his spoon and took me right back to Sylvester McCoy at Planet Comic Con. Let's hope we can get Capaldi and McCoy together in Kansas City someday for a battle of the spoons.
3: I'd pay real money to see that.
2: Yeah. I'm generally not a wardrobe watcher, but I was happy to see the doctor wear a colored shirt with his suits. I found that Capaldi's portrayal is a bit too subdued in the first two episodes. His performance was much more colorful in this episode and that purple shirt seems symbolic in some way. I'm delighted that, that Clara is finally getting a chance to grow into her own woman, free of the impossible mystery pixie girl plot device. Of course, anyone listening from the dungeon hall would realize that Clara was the effective leader of the three prisoners. Too true. Robin and his merry men were all well cast, were well cast and delightful. Tom Riley Riley pulled off a tricky role with a lot of panache. With that much charisma, it's no wonder Robin's got a legend lived that Robin's legend lived on. On the subject of great casting, Ben Miller was spectacular as the Sheriff of Nottingham. I'm sure not only the fan I'm not the only fan who spotted him in the trailer and hoped he would turn out to be the master. In fact, I still hope that the master takes his face by the end of the season. If that coin Missy turns out to be the master <laughs> slash mistress, please let her die quickly and regenerate into Ben Miller. Speaking mm-hmm. of Missy, I'm glad we didn't we, that we went in an episode without seeing her.
3: Fans seem pretty solid in their hatred of this character. <laughs> Everybody's like, Yay, she went in this one. I don't know that it's hatred. I think it's just they're tired of just
4: that well, same mm. cliche that, just that token scene.
3: Well, unfortunately, now that we've had an episode without, it does pretty much make it the Eye patch. Yeah. She wasn't in all of them. She right. showed up occasionally.
2: So. Right. Uh, my biggest issue with the episode was is the ending, which I felt clumsy from a writing point of view. Robin and Marion should have been reunited in the castle. They were practically in the same room together at times. It seemed like the writers just wanted the dialogue with Clara at the end, so the Doctor apparently locked Marion in a room in the TARDIS and then dematerialized without her. He brought her to the forest, had her stand behind the TARDIS, and said, Love your life is just over there, but Rather than run to to his embrace, stand back here for however long it takes us to tidy up, chat, and have some dramatic advice. That's exactly what happened right there, (laughs) (laughs) and it was good. I kind of, I, I honestly kind of hoped that we wouldn't have seen Marion, that she was captured elsewhere, and that was something else he was going to go do after now that the sheriff was taken. Yeah, a perfect moment.
3: It was a perfect fairy tale moment for the legend of the story. I agree. Once you start dissecting, it's clunky. No, no, it's perfect. <laughs> That's kind of a data script.
2: Yeah. You start dissecting, and it gets a, it's a bit clunky. But full, full of hearts. Full of hearts. <laughs> Finally, my favorite part. Robin was, was
1: not a
3: robot.
2: <laughs> Finally, my favorite part was only on screen for a split second. I. St- startled by family by yelling out, That was Patrick Troughton! (laughs) I love that they worked in that image from his 1950s appearance as Robin Hood into the databank. What a treat for fans. So there's my bit of rambling for this time around. See you in the vortex, Kirk. Thank you, Kirk. And I should point out that Kirk and Dan, I forgot to say
4: this when we listened to Dan's uh, voicemail, or, yeah, voicemail, um, are now uh, Patreon supporters of traveling the vortex, and we want to thank you guys for that. Hooray! And we are devising something special to do for our subscribers and supporters. So, possibly awesome um, recipes. Stay tuned. We're going to try to do that very soon. Very your, soon. Your
3: macaroni necklace is in the mail.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of a Patreon supporter. Oh, uh, uh, I'm going no. up my list here. You're going. You I went one. to Lisa and I skipped one. I'm sorry. Lisa is another Patriot report uh, and supporter
2: who's will get
1: to soon.
3: Sean reads Alex. Oh, I'm reading Alex. Alex writes. Knock knock. Who's there? Not Gary Busey. <laughs> hey guys, Alex here. I'm almost caught up with the podcast now. I'm actually listening to episode 192 as I write this, and by the time you read this out, I'll be out of the mists of time and back in the present day. So, wait a minute. We're reading a feedback on our show that was written by a guy who was listening to our show. That's yes. like feedbackception. Let's <laughs> <coughs> peel away the layers. First things first. What Mark said about hearing Sean's voice in his head while he was writing feedback? I get that, too. Well, it's because you're writing it while I'm talking to you. That's not, not a great mystery here, guys. It's just... It's happening right now. Sean is saying this. And this. And that. It's getting a little disconcerting, to be honest. It isn't always Sean. Sometimes it's Glenn or Keith. But Sean seems to be the predominant TTV voice in my head. If only we knew how many people I was the predominant voice in their head. <laughs> I could open a clinic.
2: I have to say, I think Sean probably has the best voice of the three of us. Yeah.
3: I would agree. Aw. And yet they don't allow me to talk. (laughs) Because unfortunately the voice comes with opinions.
4: (laughs) We
1: just don't want that around
4: here. Letting you talk and cutting you off when you've gone too long are two different things,
1: Sean.
3: I lost my place. Sorry. (laughs) Are Are there any psychologists listening to the podcast who can tell me why this is happening and why Sean's voice is the most common one? Personally, I think it's either the Archangel Satellite Network or a side effect of that voiceover trailer you made for a film competition a while back. But those are just theories. In a world where Alex reads out feedback, that's all you get. Now, before I do my review of Robot of Sherwood, I you know, I we're gonna have to do something with this name. I keep seeing it and I keep reading it, and my brain keeps telling me this is the wrong title.
2: Especially now that they cut that scene.
3: It's Robots. <laughs> Of Sherwood it actually makes, <laughs>
2: makes more sense if if yeah, if, right. if the sheriff is the robot that makes sense. Otherwise, it's a bunch. Yeah, but he wasn't doing one. Well,
3: but they're, I mean, they're kind of doing like Robin of Sherwood. They're kind of doing that play on Robin yeah, of Sherwood, still, Robot of Sherwood. But it doesn't. It's clunky. It doesn't work. Robots of Sherwood. That's how it should be said. So say we all. It's robots <laughs> from now on.
2: <laughs> ha <Ha-ha>!
3: ha. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I've got a few rebuttals responses to make to some of the points you guys made about deep breath. I know what you're thinking. A guy who starts a paragraph this big with a sentence like that must be great fun at parties. Wow, he's in my head. Like, yeah. Firstly, Glenn. The two of you. Syncopation. Firstly, Glenn, see, Dr. Phil would be impressed I learned a music term. I don't know what it means, but I learned that term.
4: <laughs> okay, I'm doing a lot of editing this week.
3: Firstly, Glenn, I got the impression from your review that you felt like Moffat was too heavy-handed with the whole Clara learning to accept the new doctor aspect of the episode. Whilst I see where you're coming from here, whilst I personally felt that a higher than normal level of audience hand-holding was required for the episode. I started the show with Tennant and I understood the concept of regeneration. I watched all of Eccleston's stories, and I knew there had been a multitude of previous Doctors before him. But then Tennant left, and Smith arrived, I was still incredibly apprehensive. I've never been more nervous watching an episode of Doctor Who as I was when I saw Eleventh Hour for the first time. And of course, Matt Smith was amazing, and it was still the same show I knew and loved. But going into it, I honestly wasn't sure if that would be the case. I felt like Clara made an amazing audience surrogate for all those people who joined the show with Smith who were genuinely afraid that this first generation might destroy the magic of Who for them. And,
2: and that's a great point. It's just Clara wasn't Glenn the surrogate. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, there you go. At, at Glenn, Glenn's not the yeah, targeted
4: audience. That's audience. exactly right. And it's I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly agree with that. However, I think that that could have been done without being so driven home. And I think that's, that was ultimately my problem because I appreciated the fact that he was writing the story from the perspective of the, the uh, audience and was using Clara as a surrogate. I just think it, they kept driving the point home. But I think Keith's also right that it comes down to maybe I saw it more because of the fact that I didn't, you need, Clara a, yeah, I didn't need Clara larger. as a surrogate, so that could certainly be true.
3: Could be. My other rebuttal is for Lisa and is a little tangential. Is that allowed on this show? In your feedback last week, you talked about how some people seem to be entertained by the dark and horrific, as evidenced by the fact there are seven Saw films and only one Serenity. I understand and appreciate the point you're making with that statement, and I'm also completely disillusioned with Saw's obsessive lingering on gore and violence, but I don't think the analogy holds up. Serenity may not be a film with an unhealthy hankering for blood and terror but it certainly has its dark and horrific moment. People are torn apart by Reavers. Certain significant individuals, spoiler Foghorn, die in quite dramatic circumstances. Traumatic. And several other characters suffer very serious injuries. The film itself is not dark or grotesque, but it does not shy away from such themes or pretend they don't exist. This, for my money, is how the new quote-unquote darker series of Doctor Who is being dealt with. The Skin Balloon, Sorry, the hashtag, Skin Balloon, (laughs) was certainly quite disgusting, but not gratuitously so. And I think it made sense of the context of the story. In fact, I would say that Doctor Who, along incidentally with Firefly, is one of the lightest shows in existence. Having your main characters know that a dark and horrible things exist, having them acknowledge those things and deal with those things, and still maintain a constant unwavering belief in hope and love and the triumph of what is right over what is not. There's nothing brighter than that.
2: That's a very good point, Alex.
3: Now, Robot of Sherwood. Before I actually review this story, I'd just like to say, why couldn't they have just called it the Robots of Sherwood?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I understand the title is a reference to Robin of Sherwood. Well, I didn't have to say anything, Alex had all this, But it just doesn't roll off the tongue very well, and I'm getting ridiculously irritated by it. Here, here. It's like titling a story of the Vampires of Venice instead of Vampires in Venice. But anyway, to put it shortly, I went into this story with pretty low expectations and was pleasantly surprised. After the popularity of The Crimson Aura, a story of so suspension of disbelief shatteringly ridiculous that I personally suspect it might have been written in the midst of a trionic radiation leak, I worried that Gaddis would decide to make his next episode equally farcical. Fortunately, whilst this was definitely a funny story with plenty of scenes devoted primarily to the hilarious bickering between Robin and the doctor. Oh no, no, it wasn't bickering. It was banter. Banter. I never felt like the story was crossing the line from humorous to outright absurd. Despite all the bantering and such, the episode still had enough of a serious side to keep me emotionally invested. In particular, the theme of heroes and whether they can exist was one of which I found extremely interesting. I like how Gatiss addressed this idea, and above everything else in the episode, I loved Robin's final speech to the Doctor. They may not be heroes, they can be stories, and stories can inspire heroic acts in others. That's a great coda, especially in conjunction with Clara's line at the end of last week's episode about the Doctor trying to be a good man, (coughs) and how the trying is the whole point. I think we're really going to be exploring the Doctor's character in this series much more in depth than we have previously, and I'm hugely excited about that. Speaking of impossible heroes, it turns out Robin Hood wasn't so impossible after all. I honestly don't know how I feel about this. On the one hand, it irked me that the show deviated from the established history by pinning down a real Robin Hood. I know that's silly to complain about deviating from history when we have robot knights striding through Nottingham, (laughs) but it still bothered me nonetheless. I think it's because I feel that if there really was a real Robin Hood, the Doctor should have already known about him. On the other hand, it completely defied my expectations for the episode in a way which I found refreshing. We're all familiar with the story formula, the doctor encountering something which doesn't make any sense, getting all skeptical about it, and then being proven right. But not this time. This time, there's no evil alien interference. It's just an honest case of a group of merry men becoming the stuff of myths and legends. I really like that. It's a very hopeful idea. The message that I took away from this story was that impossible heroes can exist, and the Doctor is one of them. He's a hero, not a good Dalek. Take that, Rusty. I'm really curious to hear how you guys felt about this. Did it bother you they made a likely fictional character, Robin Hood, into a real person in the who I'm going to make a prediction that Sean and Keith are fine with it, but Glenn isn't. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm right, tell me why. If I'm wrong, tell me why. This is a discussion I really want to hear. we want to tackle that now or later? Later. Okay. Some other quick notes about the episode before I go in in helpful bullet point format. Ben Miller was great as the sheriff, and it was nice to see him get to stretch his theatrical muscles. He normally plays quite the dry, sardonic characters like Lester in Primeval, and I liked seeing him in a role that he could go a little crazy with. If there was one thing about this episode, I can definitely say I didn't like it was the resolution of the robot knights. One gold arrow being enough to set the sh- get the ship into orbit, not exactly believable. I'd rather the ship had just been shut down and the nights all finished off by rioting, plate-wielding peasants. Yeah. <laughs> Every scene in the dungeon made me laugh uncontrollably. Clara getting identified as the ringleader of the gang was not only funny, but also gave her another opportunity to really shine as a character. Sneakily interrogating the sheriff and such like. Plus, the left-behind Doctor and Robin scenes were the high point of the story. Okay, I think I'm just about done. Overall, I think this is one of Gatiss' best stories. It wasn't a knockout spectacular piece of television, but it was amusing and entertaining. The kind of episode that gets called a romp by literally everyone ever, with an underlying theme that I really appreciated. Bring on next week. I'm trying not to hype myself up too much for Listen, least I go into it with my expectations too high, a la Glenn with Godzilla. But it looks incredibly exciting. I haven't finished your review of Into the Dark yet, guys, so it's entirely possible that next week's email will have even more responses to comments made from multiple episodes ago. If that's the case, I'm sorry in advance. Looking forward to hearing why everyone has to say about Robot of Sherwood: "There are multiple robots. Why is it singular? Why? <laughs> and also to finding out where Gary is. Gary F. and Busey. Who'd have thought it? Happy traveling. Alex. PS.. It was Mark who left behind his shelf in the supermarket, <laughs> not me. Yet more proof you guys are slowly merging us together in your minds, presumably to create some sort of British Lovecraftian nightmare. I have no idea what feedback from such a creature would be like, but I know I would hear Sean's voice in its head while I was writing it. Bye for now. Uh, By the way, it's Gary Dental Floss so. <laughs> PC. Oh, pardon
1: me. Gary Dental Floss
3: Thanks, now, Mark. Are you guys coordinating these feedbacks? I just want to know. Yeah.
4: Thanks, Mark. Alex, I know. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Still aren't I on that. board. Ooh. Up next uh, is Lisa. Uh-huh. Aha.
4: <laughs> Who does in fact <laughs> get credit for her Patreon subscription? Thank you again, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. All right. Should we call Alex Cthulhu now? Ooh. All right. Feedback submitted. Comment question, hello, travelers of the Vortex. I'm writing to comment on the latest episode of Grumpy Old Man Driving Miss Clara, or is it The Adventures <laughs> of Clara Oswald starring Jenna Coleman? Yes, she will be seen wet once a season, and it's not just to please men who like looking at her. Women are shallow, and men don't like the companion in that way. Rolling eyes.
3: I sense sarcasm. <laughs>
4: And will you enjoy this really grumpy, unpleasant, incoherent old guy constantly putting—excuse me—incompetent putting, oh, me, uh, old guy constantly putting Clara down for her looks, because she is obviously not all that pretty. The message being: Jenna Coleman, who is very beautiful, isn't good enough. Thanks for letting women and girls know just how high the bar is—impossibly high. Okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, I just have to say that I am not really interested in Clara and don't know how many more episodes I'll be watching and will not purchase any of these. I don't find them fun or entertaining. Gratuitous violence, spitting in people's faces and flipping people off. I just don't like the dark, serious, or interesting. I I don't think... Excuse me. I don't find the dark, serious, or interesting. God Complex was dark, serious, and interesting. Oh, well... I'm sure those making Doctor Who don't care if I'm watching and enjoying the program because they have told me they don't care. On the long game, in A Good Man Goes to War, the thin, gay, angelic soldier asks Lauren Bucket, Why are you here? Isn't the forest heaven neutral? Because you're a gamma girl. Suspecting the latter episode in the series Possibly in the Forest of Night Or maybe the two-parter Dark Water And Death in Heaven May take place in the Gamma Forest Is River going to be in any of those? I didn't even think of that Also wondering if Missy is saving people Slash robots Or are they being saved like in the library In Silence in the Library Is Missy a corrupt program? Glenn Have the Daleks always Had some supercomputer controlling them? I didn't watch close enough when I was young and watching Doctor Who on PBS. Wishing everyone a marvelous fall, Lisa. The Daleks always had a supercomputer controlling them uh, internally. In the we're talking about inside Inside. the Dalek, yeah. uh, For the well, I'm trying. I guess I'm trying to figure out what 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 the what the question is here. Is it a supercomputer? I think we can conclude that they have a hive-like mind. Um I think we can conclude that they all are essentially run based on the same hive programming. if you're referring to the Dalek itself, yes, I believe that the organic form of the Dalek has always been integrated into the computer system or of the armor um
2: when well, they had to I eliminate don't... the other emotions somehow. Yeah, yeah, whether emotions are suppressed or yeah, right, right, uh, genetic manipulation—that's
4: uh, that's that's the thing that that is isn't necessarily clear because one of the things I took away from Into the Dalek was that the computer suppresses the emotion, whereas clearly from Genesis of the Daleks, it's Davros' uh, genetic mutation or genetic meddling, Tampering. that yeah. basically isolates the um, uh, emotions of of a Dalek and, and and removes the. Th- that element of them so there is some you, you, discrepancy you, you there. could
2: also retcon it in a sense of we've seen daleks in modern who go to the point of using humans to make more daleks etc etc they're so strayed from the path of the original daleks that now they need the computers to hampen that because genetically it's no longer there
4: well, that's a good point that kind of that does kind of retcon it yeah, because
3: well, if we go with uh, based on uh, um, victory of the Daleks, Cause, yeah. that all of the last of the impure Daleks were destroyed, and that everything from this point forward is going to be the creation of the,
4: the paradigm. The, 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 the problem with the, the problem with the new series, though, is we haven't fully explained what happened to the paradigm. We haven't fully explained if the Daleks were seen at this point, which clearly look, resemble, and act like the Daleks of the past have been recreated by the Paradigm Dalek, Daleks, or if these are the same... Just,
2: they're using them as foot soldiers. Yeah, so, of, I
4: mean, yeah. th- that's the problem, is that hasn't been of clarified. But going back to her point of, from the always meaning she was kind of alluding to classic series, despite what you do to, in the new series to retcon, there wasn't a lot of direct dialogue about that, how they were integrated. And I think we gather a lot of that evidence from a lot of the side issues where, uh, you know, uh, comments throughout that have kind of put forth that idea. And so, yes, I think it's always been there, but I think the new series has clarified that idea.
3: I would work... Clarified. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would work under the assumption that while it's not a blob of paint driving a tank... It's, it's
1: obviously more complex. It's, it's, than it's
3: that. much more complex than that, and it's it's hardwired into it. But it's a symbiotic. It's relationship. a symbiotic relationship. But there, there there would still be, even not counting into the Dalek, in my mind, there would still be a computer of some sort to handle the day to day processing of, you know, just like your car has a computer in it to to monitor oil pressure and, and things like that. The, the the Dalek would be hooked into that and know, but it wouldn't actively. I mean, your your body doesn't regulate your blood pressure. Or let me rephrase: your body regulates your blood pressure. You're not conscious of it, you know. And and I think that's kind of where they're going with this idea: is that that supercomputer is always there. It's unless the she's, subconscious. Yeah, unless she's talking about overall. Like the hive consciousness. Uh, with so. the hive consciousness, in which case I would also say yes, because we get many episodes of Classic Who which refer to, like, a, a battle computer mm-hmm. or, or or something uh, that, that spits out information that the Daleks read and go, okay, we need to go do this now. So they've kind of always had that reliance on And even later something. in Classic
4: Who, the communicative elements of... Uh, the Daleks were always the impression that they weren't necessarily like talking to each other on an intercom. That they were they they had kind of an inner dialogue within the computer system that they were that are in the Dalek itself. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were like pushing a button and calling another Dalek. It was almost like when a command went out, every Dalek got that command based on that hive mind idea. Um, so the direct answer to your question, though, is. It wasn't so much there in the past, but was built upon through classic Who, and I think the new series is doing now to solidify kind of that idea and make it more an active idea that yes, the 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 Dalek within the casing is both organic and mechanical that it that it's a it's a joint parasitic process essentially, so or a symbiotic process, not parasitic. I hope I answered your question, Lisa.
2: But. <laughs> um, if not, right back in and let and, and us know. You, even meant- if you're
4: going with the supercomputer idea, I mean, if we look at it, all although it had an organic element as well, the Emperor Dalek was always kind of basically the, the yeah. supercomputer that was controlling all of the Daleks.
3: Because yeah, was- there, there were times where it was... Hardwired into something, exactly. the, the the supreme Dalek, the Dalek control unit, whatever it is, the, the hoses and the wires yeah. and
4: stuff going out of it, yeah. Essentially, I, I Especially always in
1: the Truant well, episode, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. But I always presumed that it was hardwired into the ship, that it was the, the mother ship, essentially, and that mm-hmm. was the the, the the idea there.
1: As but far yes. as the
3: other, you know, I, I'm sorry that you're not having a good time with the series so far, Lisa. But uh, you know, all I can say as a Who fan is stick with it, and you know, it'll change. Maybe maybe you'll get to something that further down the road, you know, appeals to you a little bit more. Yeah. I think you brought up some valid points.
4: Lisa, i got to say, just give it some time and let's see um, if by the end of Series 8 that you don't like where they've gone with
3: it. I think that's where you cut it off, if you're ready to be And then be maybe done with uh,
2: it. the next Doctor you can come back in. <clears> yeah, I
3: don't if, you know. If, if it, Capaldi's not your cup of tea, that's... Oh, that's what we've said before, is the one thing that's kind of constant in Doctor Who has changed. And if you don't like it now, wait. I mean, we, oh. we certainly told people that about Matt Smith's era, that we're like, oh, I'm tired of... It. Well, okay, wait. <laughs> Look at me. You know, I, wasn't,
4: I wasn't a fan of the uh, Sylvester McCoy era. And but I've gone back and I've changed my opinion of it just based on looking at it in a new light. There's still a lot of things that I have issue with, but I start to focus on other things when I go back and watch those uh, 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 you know, those episodes or those stories and I come out with a whole new opinion yeah. of this.
2: So. Well, and even if you don't like this doctor and mm-hmm. you decide to call it quits for a little while, maybe dip back in if the showrunner changes, even though the doctor's still the same. Maybe the storytelling will be a little different. I mean, it, there's a lot of... Don't give up on the show completely, is what I'm saying. is Even if you give up for a little bit, hopefully you'll come back. Up next is Chrissy. She writes, Men in Tights. Dear Vortex Boys, Greetings from the recent host of a Comic-Con, Salt Lake City. I'm sure I'll be talking about all my Salt Lake Comic-Con experience on the next five-ish fangirls. The bad as well as the good. Mostly good, though. I can just... But can I just say how wonderful Colin Baker and Paul McGann are? I don't know what I was expecting. I certainly wasn't expecting anything awful. Everyone I know that's met either of them has nothing but good things to say. But they were both so fun and awesome to talk to, and their panel was a blast to sit in on. I still can't believe they were both sitting here and I met them. I keep having to pinch myself to make sure I'm not dreaming. I did hear from a friend of mine that Paul said he was so impressed by the con that he wants to come back next year. Oh, I also also saw Kerry Ooze on stage, and he was fantastic, too. Hence my subject line, though I thought it was fitting. Is that how
1: you say it? I don't know. How do you say it? I thought it
2: was it? Elway's. It's Elways. Elways? Yeah. Okay, I've never just, known. I've never heard I, it pronounced. I 2nd guess it, because I used to say that,
4: and then I, I'd heard them say Carrie Elways somewhere, and so i have been calling him Kerry Elways, and then you said Ules again. I
2: went... Maybe I mixed that up in my head. <laughs> Elways. Elways. Uh Hence my subject line, I thought it was fitting. Big sigh. I'm still all fluttery about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a book club announcement. This month we are reading Beautiful Chaos by Gary Russell. It's a 10th Dr. Donna Noble novel, that, and it was reprinted last year for the 50th anniversary. So everyone should be able to find it in either in print or digital. There's some good conversation going on There's already some good conversation going on So everyone who wants to Is invited to take part in our Goodreads page
3: So Beautiful Chaos, Gary Russell Get started One day I'll One day I shall go back
1: Yes, I shall go back and read all
3: these books That I missed out on But until then
2: (laughs) Uh Robot of Sherwood I, you know what series eight needed right now, a breather episode. You know, you know what we got, a breather episode. <laughs> After two weeks of emotionally <laughs> That's heavy, what we st- said in series six, and we got cursed the the black spot. <laughs> two weeks of emotional, emotionally heavy storytelling. We got a fun, relatively lighthearted, semi-historical story with Clara fangirling over Robin Hood and the Doctor refusing to acknowledge that Robin Hood ever existed. It was nice to take a break from the delving into the super heavy and dark themes to let the 12th Doctor find his fun, humor aside. Every Doctor has a sense of humor, even ones that don't look like they would at first glance. I enjoyed every bit of this story. I love seeing Peter Capaldi having fun as a Doctor, whether he was spoon-fighting or cheating at archery or bickering with Robin Hood. I think his character really needed an episode like this at this point in the season. Otherwise, he would have risked the... Risk being seen as always grouchy and difficult and not very likable. He kind of still came across that way in the episode, though. (laughs) He was very grouchy and disagreeable. He he, he
3: was so certain there was no such person as Robin Hood.
2: (laughs) Well, he wanted to punch Robin Hood in the face. (laughs) It was a great line, but it's like, wow, you really are a grumpy old man, aren't you? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um... (laughs) and we really need to see all sides to get a good feel for the doctor i liked having him ask clara where she'd like to go and then telling her that's a rubbish idea and that robin hood isn't real only to be proven wrong once they land in 1190 england i loved seeing clara meet robin and the merry men i loved that she knew all the people and their stories i loved that she was mistaken for the ringleader yeah. that she was and and that she even took the sheriff of nottingham and his ego down a peg or two I also liked the Patrick Troughton cameo when the Doctor was going through the spaceship's information database on Robin Hood. That was clever. I also love the ending scene where Doctor Doctor and Robin Hood are talking about being legends and stories. The line, history is a burden, but stories can make us fly, was wonderful, and it's something I wholeheartedly agree with. Is this a perfect story? Of course not. The always bitter and perpetually grouchy fans will find plenty to whine about if they look for it, and they always do. But I enjoyed this episode and it's a next it's a great next step in the twelfth Doctor's first season. Besides the contrary contrary to fan opinion, we're still allowed to have fun in Doctor Who. Okay, I'm off to record our podcast to see how close I cut it this week, so I'll say goodbye and talk to you next week. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. And finally, our last bit of feedback comes from Britain. Last but not least, one That's degree right. of
4: separation. Dear Vortex Gang, Weekends have proven busy for me in the recent months, so I've missed writing in for the first two episodes of Series 8. However, tonight, even though I'm about to fall asleep, I'm taking some time to jot down a few ideas about the new season and Doctor Number 12. I hope my logic holds for just a few minutes before I head off to Dreamland. First of all, I love, love, love Peter Capaldi as the doctor. Capaldi. But what is interesting to me is that... I've got to get it right in Brenda's. <laughs> First of all, I love, love, love Peter Capaldi as the doctor. But what is interesting to me is that I can't articulate any real specifics about why I do. I just feel comfortable with him and I trust him to solve problems. I find his prickly nature to be great fun, especially with the deadpan way he delivers these comments. Those comments. I like the calm way he flies the TARDIS. 10 and 11 had a mantic flight style, flipping switches and shoving levers all about. And while their whirling devilish approaches were fun, 12 confidently maneuvers around the console as though he owns the place, which I guess he does.
2: That's a really good point. I didn't notice that before.
4: Yeah, it's very... um, Bill Hartnell, if you ask me, and even uh, Barry, uh, Yeah,
3: he, he flies the way that I imagine that McGann would <laughs> if McGann was seen <laughs> flying more, more than after he thumped it once. Yeah.
4: As I consider why I am so happy with his character, I suddenly recognize that Capaldi reminds me of my maternal grandfather. He was quite gruff, but all of us grandchildren, 29 of us, knew we were loved, even though he rarely showed it. He was a checkers champion of Southern Virginia, and he loved to play checkers with the grandchildren, but never let us win. (laughs) (laughs) He played us as though we were adults, and if anyone protested that he should let us win once in a while, his answer was that we would never learn anything if he coddled us. I think I see some of those traits in Capaldi's doctor. He knows that we're human. He knows that we humans have a lot to learn, but he also knows that we have the capacity to learn those important lessons. He gets annoyed with, he gets annoyed when we don't pay attention and are slow to learn, but he won't coddle us by showing us the answers. Oh man, that's such a great statement. I love that, Brenda. That, that hits the yeah. nail on the head with this doctor.
3: He's brown gravy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hmm, I'm getting a bit profound here all of a sudden. I'll be thinking on this more in the coming days, and I welcome your thoughts about this new observation. I absolutely love it. (laughs) Anyway, some of the many things that delighted me from this week's episode were the TARDIS healing itself (laughs) like Wolverine after the arrow hit her, the dueling with the spoon and the subsequent spills into the creek, his taking of samples from all of the merry men, including an unspecified urine sample, his annoyance with their laughter, the foot battle for the keys resulting in their plunge into the pit, and his remark that he was glad that Clara didn't see it the archery contest oh god i think he soiled himself the list just goes on and on i totally agree and the tartest thing i'm i'm so glad somebody pointed it out because i was waiting until the uh our review to see if anybody saw that because honestly I didn't the first time. It I wasn't didn't. until we were watching it tonight, because Holly was at school yesterday, and, <laughs> K- and Caitlin and I were watching it, and it wasn't until she said, it's healing. And I looked, and I was like, oh my gosh, it did. I thought that was so incredible. Mel was like, oh wow, <laughs> didn't you see it? I was like, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> I must admit, this is Brenda again, I must admit, however, that I am growing weary of the digs at his advanced age. We get it already, and we cer- and he certainly moves like a young man, so let's just leave it alone for a while. You're here. I'm finding the whole Scottish thing delightful as well. No one can rag on a Scot quite like a Scot, so when Moffat wrote the lines like, I'm Scottish, now I can can complain about things, they took an extra meaning for me having recently visited Scotland as they moved towards their historic vote for independence. They are a funny and self-deprecating people, and I like that element included in the Doctor's character. Also goes to that line where Robin's talking about Scotts and he says uh, oh. about him looking. <laughs> you don't like vegetables? Yes. Yeah. Well, he was. He was. Well, yeah. But he was saying that um, he should be the one moaning and that he should moan and, and bellyache and, and, and cry out. And he says because it'd be more believable because you're so pale. But you know, Scotts are. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. As I was watching Robot Asher, Sherwin last night, I had a moment of excitement when i recognized bodium castle as the location for the castle shoot i visited that gorgeous medieval castle last summer while in canterbury with my choir so there are a lot of there was a lot of excited ch- chatter among the separation from this season's shows did i say that
3: right? you skipped the line among the choirs. oh among our
4: there we go okay there was a, so there was a lots of excitement Excited chatter among the choir's hoovians this morning when we talked about our one degree of separation <laughs> from this season's shows. It's the title of the feedback. I have enjoyed all of the season's episodes thus far, but I think Robot of Sherwood is my current favorite. Of course, I tend to love whichever episode I'm watching at the time, but I keep going back to watch this one. And isn't Clara a gorgeous maiden? Here, here. So that's enough rambling. I'm not stopping to check over this because I'm nodding off as I type. Please forgive any typos or illog- illogical phrases. I hope everyone has a great week, and here's looking forward to next Saturday. Brenda in Atlanta. And, Brenda, you wrote it beautifully with no problem. I just had some issues reading it, <laughs> which were all fault to my own.
3: And what an interesting way to, to – because we, we heard so much about the Capaldi grandfather-like doctor – and to actually associate it to a grandfather, a real grandfather. All of it, it's, it's not some mythical grandfather. Yeah, it's not yeah, some yeah, yeah. TV show grandfather. It's your grandfather. And and say you know, my my grandfather was chess. We didn't play checker. We played chess. He taught me how to play chess. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. He would not let me win. And we played and played and played and played until one day I beat him. Now we never played chess again after.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which
3: suddenly strikes me as a very Capaldi thing to do. <laughs> you know, that he's just and I'm done with that. But it's it's that same kind of nature. So Yeah, uh,
4: that was that's a, an apt description there. Brenda, thank you. Well,
1: well, let's move review on this. To
2: our review. <laughs> in a sun-dappled and a Sherwood in. forest, the doctor discovers an evil plan from beyond the stars, but with the fate of Nottingham at stake and possibly Derby There's no time for the two adventurers to get into a fight about who's real and who isn't, which is probably why they do very little else. Dun, dun, dun! I don't know if that's the official one, but that's the one my phone has. That was
4: from me, by the way. Alex or Mark or whoever thought maybe I would come down on this one.
3: No, but Alex and Mark wanted to know um, your thoughts on fictional Robin Hood being
4: done 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 so beautifully done and i think i talked a little bit about this in the beginning that i loved the idea and the concept that we can have a legend that was real that was something that time forgot and as robin said history is a burden mm-hmm. i love the idea that there was this particular time and place and event that happened that later became legend and eventually the man was forgotten and I think that that's possible, even in history, that, that in, in factual history. I think that a lot of stories that we have, especially ones that weren't necessarily written down, but were passed on and then eventually written down. I think the Arthurian legends a good example of that. I think Robin Hood's a good example of that. I think there's some Egyptian tales that I read that, that are an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the idea that there is a, a formula or not even formula there's a basis, there's an idea where these things come from, what I really, really liked about this is the fact that yeah, you guys kind of, you, you, you've you, got me nailed because there are things like this that can bother me. But in this situation, I think that I liked the idea. And who was it? Uh, was it the other Mark that said that he didn't care for the fact that it was so cliche and it was so? Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that they drilled down to the idea of one of the most popular Tellings of this and that is the the 1930s film with Errol Flynn of Robin Hood, The Adventures of Robin Hood. I like the idea that that this Robin Hood was very Errol Flynn, and this was very very iconic. Now, maybe that maybe comes from an American movie buff because that's one of my favorite. No, one of my favorite. Well, yeah, it's one of my favorite films. Um, so the idea of taking that element and almost kind of doing this timey wimey reverse thing, where that might have been the robot's influence for. Creating this world because I, I got the impression that these were normal men, a normal community, a normal the robots and and that the robots influenced the idea and they took that one that to me is kind of the iconic iconic cliche Robin Hood, and they used that and they implanted that and that's how. Maybe by making that seem a little grander and cliché and bigger than life is why the legend was able to be kind of carried out through the ages. Because by making it bigger than life, it didn't have the chance to become even bigger. Does that make sense? It yeah. was already kind of big and it was when it was held in the memory, and that's why the legend becomes so st- succinct and is cliché. Because of the idea that it was, it came from the original cliche idea that was, you know, it, it kind of this burrito effect where, you know, you got the one side it's of the burrito a, it's and it just continues to go around. Yeah. yeah, it's a time loop. So I
1: loved the burrito that. burrito
4: effect. Peggy Sue got married. It's the burrito effect. It's how time loops around on itself. I remember that. That's how Jim Carrey's character explains to Peggy Sue how, because he's the only one that believes she's traveled back in time. To fix that, and he calls it—it's it's what I call the burrito effect. It's where time's in a loop. Huh.
3: <laughs> all the time loops we've discussed on the show—you've never brought oh, up I the burrito effect.
4: Burrito I, don't, effect I, don't, I don't remember burrito. Oh, effect I'm sure either. I said burrito effect before. Oh, Okay, well,
3: anyway, I think I would have called you out on burrito <laughs> effect. By it's,
4: now it's—it's it's the burrito effect. So I—I I, I absolutely love that idea and that concept. Now, stepping back from all of that because that's great. I love that. I loved the way that the story was portrayed as well in the fact that now we've put our hero into a hero of legend and i, 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 I love the idea that, ends that the doctor is just
2: so good i
4: love the idea that the doctor is so adamant that robin hood didn't exist and he goes there to prove to Clara that there's no Robin Hood. And he shows up, and there's a Robin Hood. And he's he's so baffled by this that he has to do everything that he can to prove that there's something else going wrong here. That there's something else going on. And somebody else brought up the... Uh, uh, I lost my train of thought, and I can't remember who brought this up. Um, oh, the idea that the doctor would not would, should have known that there was a real Robin Hood. Yeah. I don't think that's true. And I think here's the problem. Because the, na- the doctor name drops and the doctor tells so many <laughs> stories throughout the history of Doctor Who that we think that he knows everything about time. And I am one of those subscribers that the doctor is like a professor. He knows a good chunk, probably 90% of what he specializes in. But there's always that 10% that he's learning. And professors are like that. They always are coming across new things that they've learned from somebody else, or from some other experience, or from some other experiment that they've done. And so I don't I I, I don't like when we put the doctor in this all knowing
1: Oh yeah. He's um, not
4: omniscient idea that he just knows everything and he should have known that there was a Robin Hood. No, there's no reason why, because if he had never gone to Sherwood in 18... If he thought it
2: was a fictional story, he wouldn't from seek the beginning, it
4: out. absolutely, absolutely. So if it was 1880, I think, 80-ish? 11, not 18, 1180-ish. Unless you
3: 1190. Unless you read my fan fiction. But he said ish, <laughs> didn't he? I think he said ish. He, said he ish. Might ish. I don't
4: ish. think yeah. he even said the, right de- or the exact date. Well,
3: because it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. To him, it's fiction. Who knows when? I can't. I can't say. I can't set a date and right. go. We're going to go see Robert exactly. because he just knows
4: from the legend know it's about, that, this, it's about time. this time. Um, so good job on getting it right. Um, <laughs> so I love the idea that the doctor can continue to learn, and the doctor continue to, to and even at I'll, his most. Well, I'll, it's just. I'll take
3: like, that one step further and say that the TARDIS probably went. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and nailed the date exactly. See, I don't think that.
2: Uh, yeah. Okay. Just to- I, I'll buy that because if somebody
4: if if somebody couldn't know, it'd be the hardest.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, the doctor and by the doctor going into it, as you should as a scientist, you should go into it with all doubt to prove yourself right or wrong. You should go in and try to cover all of your bases. You go in with a hypothesis, and you the the and before you arrive at a theory, you try to de- debunk your own theory. You do. That's what you go. That's in science. That's what you go for. You're not out there to prove that the things right. You're out there to prove that it's wrong. And if you can't prove it's wrong, then it becomes a theory, and the theory is is the basis of our knowledge. So that is that is perfectly in character of the doctor. And yes, he was crotchety and grumpy, but that's the doctor we're getting here, and I actually quite enjoy that.
0: This, this it's, was a bit it's more a of a different approach,
4: prone yeah, exactly. And so, absolutely, let's go down that road, and, and I think that everything he did was, was perfectly okay. I, I, I loved the idea that he continued to try to debunk it. And I love that Clara was the, the hope and the, the dreamer and the, yes, this is real. This is the believer, the one that's, that's driving this theory, the one that's driving the theory that the professor is trying to prove wrong, that the, the scientist is trying to prove wrong. And I, I love that aspect of it, and I think that's what made it structurally
3: a good story. Because I don't think you'd have gotten that structure if it was still an eleventh Doctor tale. Oh no! Because the eleventh Doctor well, he would have, have been gone, like, "Why would I have of that. You know, yeah. and he'd have been thrilled to go off and raid the castle, and you know, when we when, when we attack at dawn, when we, you know, I mean, he'd have just been right there beside Clara with the fanboy, you know, gushing out of him. And so it's interesting that you, you we can take that and flip it a little bit, and Clara still got that wide-eyed wonder. And the 12th Doctor is a little more cynical and, and, and not so believing in things, which is the one element that I kind of am missing some. It's, it's not a comparison because every doctor's different. But we've had a pretty successive string of Wide-Eyed Wanderers. And that element seems to be not necessarily gone, but very much diminished. It's you, not the forefront of the, theory, of the story. When you take it away,
4: it's obvious when it's gone. And that is yeah. what has happened. Yeah. That is what has happened.
3: And I didn't realize how much I would miss that particular element. I wasn't expecting them to take that part of it and backburner it to the, to the uh, extent that they have. And I, it's interesting because fandom, at least from the, rep, the the kind of tweets and things that I've been seeing bounce back and forth, you kind of fall into either love it or hate it camp with this particular episode. And I've seen a lot of both. I've seen Seems a lot of people that, that just did not like so it far. at all. And I've seen a lot of people that really enjoyed it and thought it was a fun romp. I come down on that side. I think it was a fun romp for all the same reasons that everybody here listed and for everything that, that, that we've discussed so far. And Capaldi is very much at the forefront of that because I feel like he finally is starting to get his footing a little bit with me. But I still kind of miss that sense of wonder. Now, you're describing it in a much more, kind of like Brenda. I just, I don't know why I like Capaldi. I just do. Even though he hasn't really done anything yet to make me like him as, as the Doctor. And I, I think maybe it was just, maybe I'm projecting my hopes and dreams on this older, you know, we wanted an older Doctor. And I was like, yay, I got an older Doctor. So now <laughs> I'm kind of. He's going to be what I want him to be. Yeah. A, yay. I'm not sure if I'm happy about this. I don't know. But you kinda of put the succinct on that is that he is treating this a little more scientific, much like Pertwe would have or 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 the first doctor would have, to 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 kind of debunk it. And he's so adamant, not necessarily and I wonder part of it when when he's telling Claire, Oh, you don't want to go to a where he's fictional and you know, that would be boring and horrible. Don't wouldn't you rather go fight an ice warrior or something? I wonder if part of that is maybe a softer part of him trying to cushion her from the disappointment even though he's not cushioning her he's he's being gruff and abrasive about it Ah, you wouldn't want to do that this morning that's rubbish you wouldn't like that but is that just how he's trying to relate to her and let her down easy and then all of a sudden it's like oh wait a minute something's got to be going on here because it can't be a real robin Hood. i mean come on he's
4: you and me with missing it ep- room ep- <laughs> uh,
3: i've got to tell you emphatically
4: no they're not there so that you're not crushed when they don't show up
1: <laughs> <There laughs> i you go. totally
4: agree that's with it. It. i think capaldi's great <laughs> that's, <laughs> capaldi.
3: That's, that's capaldi that's where capaldi it, no it's capaldi i watched the in reveal. america <laughs> she said peter capaldi okay yeah every, everybody.
4: everybody and their dog though and from the uk is saying it's pronounced capaldi
2: Anyway, (laughs) I think the fact of revealing that Robin Hood was a real person works in the way they told the story. And I think part of it, for me at least, is I don't know the story of Robin Hood as well. At least the true history of it. If they had tried to do it with King Arthur, I would have been much more skeptical and probably wouldn't have liked it because I know more about King Arthur and the fact that he's kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of different people. I think you're certainly right. And I agree with you. He's, he's Robin guy. but there's a lot more mystery to him, at least for me. My knowledge pretty much extends to the Disney movie and Minotax. Yeah, mine is the <laughs> Disney movie. Prince of Thieves, and, see, and the Flynn film, film. I've seen Prince of Thieves, but it's been a really long time, so I don't remember it super well. So It's kind, it's of-, kind of the first night of Robin Hood, if you ask me. Let's just <sighs> go change a whole bunch of stuff.
1: You are, oh.
2: And I never saw the uh, the Russell Crowe version. Yeah,
3: you don't need see to see that. the Russell Crowe
2: one. So, so my knowledge of Robin Hood is very limited. I, he's a talking fox. <laughs> That's Robin Hood to me. Caitlin said, shouldn't he be a fox? And I said, that is probably the only experience with Robin Hood, isn't it? So there are probably a lot of jokes in Men in Tights that go over my head because I don't know the mythology as well. So the way they did it and the way he wrote it, especially at the end, I was still kind of wondering of, but there's this, he's not real, and he's a fictional character, and that whole conversation fixes all of that completely. And that is one of the reasons I think this is such a good story.
3: Well, what's interesting is that uh, we've kind of been treating this like what a revolutionary idea, and in reality, Doctor Who has tackled this over and over and over again with uh, well, see, the Satan I, pit.
2: Well, you know, yeah. Hey, there's okay. a big
3: giant beast that apparently is the inspiration for all of the Satan myths throughout the universe. Or the, the you know, state of decay. Uh, state of decay, that the vampires the vampire had to come from somewhere. So and we, we've tackled this, and they've said before that all legend. Well, Sylvester McCoy apparently was Merlin.
2: Well, and, and that's one of those things where different elements came together for a
3: story. Yeah, the, the, you know all legend is based on some fact. Well, in this case, the fact just happens to be that
2: closer than there, there
3: was a guy <laughs> named Robin. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah so I was okay with it. In reality, from what I know
4: there's nowhere that it says there was a real man named Robin Hood and i think that's why the doctor is so yeah you know adamant that there was no robin hood and the i mean if you look at history king richard was really not a good guy he bankrupted england by going to the to, to the holy land for the crusades and it was really prince john that kind of put the country back together <laughs> and it was the prince john was the reason why england didn't fall apart when the crusaders were down fighting their holy war and so somewhere along the line legend has twisted those two roles and made well, king richard this this glorious man and prince john this bad guy but P- prince john and, was
3: doing what was right but it wasn't what was popular we well, have to tax exactly. the prince hell john out of it but, make but up but for all you this. have
4: to believe or you and have to so, you have to wonder if prince john wasn't as yeah, as it, bad, you know, going in and, and forcing people to give taxes as as it was. Yeah. Prince George was saying, or Prince John was saying, we we've got to tax the people. We have to bring because
2: the it, banks it's back it's up. the peasants telling the story on anyway. It's, it's so exactly it right. twists the That's to, to the bad from, guy.
3: So. not that we're siding with the taxman, <laughs> just saying that that's a possibility.
4: If that's the structure of your government, which it well, is in the United States as well, and you have to. Tax people in it's order necessary. to run your government. It's a necessity. It might be an unpopular necessity, but it's a necessity. Now, if you're doing the wrong things with that tax, then there's a problem with your government. But
3: I, uh, I was uncertain about the doctor coming out and being proficient in, in, in archery. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he fires the first one and splits Robin's arrow, and I thought. Well, of course, why not? I mean, he can do everything else. He plays soccer. He, you know, could. Sure.
2: 2,000 years, surely he's picked up archery. I mean, he had to have picked up archery. Well, as many
3: planets as he's been on <laughs> dealt with archery.
2: He had how last time? Again.
4: So. When he comes out of the TARDIS and he fights Robin Hood with a spoon. I loved that. That was such. Good. And I, See, I don't it, know that I did like. It. I believed it because we have had how, how a doctor who was very proficient has. with a sword. So we you also now have, have we also it's have now yeah, had a really. line of doctors. Well, we've had doctors that are very pacifist and will not pick up a weapon. So that actually melded those two together, and it worked for me. And I thought, okay, great. Except for when they would pick up a weapon. This is wonderful, and they have don't get me wrong. But 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 if you don't <laughs> have
1: to, they you prefer
3: to. not yeah. to. Yeah. You know. Well, I think the difference for me though is I wanted him to have a sword because I wanted the sword play. You just want him to stab. I, him. I, I, no, I didn't want him to <laughs> stab. Him. Right. That's what I'm saying. You just don't want him to stab. <laughs> him. No. Well, that yeah. Because you can you can you can fence without the intent to maim. And the Doctor, I believe, is very much proficient enough that he could have pulled that off. For as renowned as Robin was, you know, with the sword, if (laughs) this is in fact Robin Hood, which at this point the Doctor didn't believe it was, he could have played with him and fought him to a standstill with the sword and still bumped him off without ever... But Coming here's, with the, here's uh, the problem. Real Sean, intent. this is
4: why it works for this story. In, in, in this. Because if he had a sword in his pocket he always carried it around, that would have been great. But we started this story with Capaldi's character eating ice cream on the TARDIS. He's eating ice cream off of a spoon. He's got a spoon readily available, and it's on him. He doesn't believe that he's going somewhere where he's going to encounter Robin Hood who would have a sword. Right. He walks out of the TARDIS still believing that Robin Hood doesn't sword.
2: exist. Had it been later in the season yeah, had, he, it made he had sense the then.
4: opportunity to get a sword from somebody sure. yes I would have been bothered that he didn't but he's got what he has at hand and he is enough proficient at sword fighting that he can even do it with a spoon that's why I loved that scene and it worked so well because the spoon was already the vehicle that he had or the element that he had with him it was perfect it didn't need to be a sword because the story at that point did not call for a sword no
3: I, I I just I would have liked to have one. Now, now then it, when we, it, it then did it did set get, the tone
4: yeah. for what
1: was to follow. But then
4: when we got the, the arrow thing, I found it a little hard to believe that the doctor's going to be pre- 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 again I like my doctor knowing 90% of what right. the, the universe, we but not 10%. Perfect. I don't want him perfect. And when he starts doing perfect things, then it gives me a call back to well, this lead-up to A Good Man it Goes War, where he was this legend that everybody was, he, he really was built up too much because he just did so many well, uh, remarkable things. Even
2: the first shot, it's, okay, he maybe got lucky. <laughs> See, I, I didn't even think shot. that. Uh, I he, thought, maybe he had time to fully take his time yeah, to shoot a name. I, I, did the second he, shot, I didn't kind of give of, him yeah. that
3: benefit of the doubt, so that bothered, it me. bothered me. It bothered me. And then me he a banks one off the thing, and it's like, oh, okay, we're yeah, going to go there with that. Yeah. And then he sonics the target to death. Yes, which makes also bothered me. It bothered me.
4: Until... One line <laughs> fixed it. <laughs> one line fixed it. <laughs> he cheated, he put a homing device in his arrow, and that makes perfectly good sense, because he could have also activated the mechanics in it to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly fixed.
3: Just that he overloaded the arrow and it blew up. Okay, that's, that, exactly that, that's now right. fine. It he was, cheated and he it okay, was so
4: fine. That's why they're, they're still not a flaw there. Yeah, <laughs> I,
3: I, that, I, that, that that fixed that for me. Um, I want to I want to I don't want to correct anybody, but I, I we want I want to put this forth as we had a lot of our feedbackers write in that they liked that Clara was mistaken for the leader of the trio. And I'm, I'm, I don't she think was there was the a mistake in that she was definitely the leader of the trio. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 there's no... The Doctor and Robin realistically are too busy arguing with Agreed. each other Agreed. to Agreed. in any way lead anybody anywhere other yeah, than... Mistaken is probably the only incorrect word. Yeah, that, she was, uh, she was that definitely point, there. The leader of the trio. And, and I thought it was a, a very nice move to allow Clara to shine. Because we've we've kind of been complaining about the fact that she's been stuck in this impossible girl scenario and been more of a plot device than a person, and that now we're kind of getting some of the personality of her, and I liked that. I agree the Doctor, in a way, took a back seat to her while that aspect was going on, but I think it was really balanced from the beginning and end parts, which are really more his arcs as opposed to the middle part that, that was hers. I like the fact that for all of the tropes that were in this, and there were a lot, I'm not going to deny that, you know, yes, every Robin Hood trope that could be in here was probably in here. Except for you get the threat of that the the sheriff is going to marry her. You know, that, oh, you'd make a a lovely queen or whatever, but they never follow up on that. It's like, okay, because, you know, she doesn't need to be turned into a damsel in distress. Robin didn't have to come rescue her. But he did. Not really. Yeah,
4: he did. When? When he came, when they he and the doctor were in the he didn't come rescue her, but he still ended up t- make, taking that role. Because when the doctor and him when discovered the the, the data banks and the, the bridge of the ship essentially, and then the sheriff and the and the uh robots unnecessarily blow the door off the hinges and come through the door <laughs>
3: Dramatic. Yeah. The doctor locked it on the way in. <laughs> I
4: guess. But anyway they come down the <laughs> stairs and she's got him and either. then and then Robin actually takes her, It almost looks like he's taking her hostage. He's taking but he's her hostage. Resc- exactly. no, he's, he's not her.
3: rescuing her at all. Well, <laughs> he is
4: taking her hostage because he takes her back in. He takes her back in. But so that's he not a rescues her in- from the situation. No, so I, d- I disagree. Him, it puts him in that Arrow Flynn esque Robin Hood scene where he jumps from the uh, uh, castle window into the moat and then escapes, which is what happens. Well, okay, I'll give but you that on We've had the element where it looks like it's a saving. mechanism, and by the doctor seeing him pull her out of the lake and walk away after the (laughs) sheriff stupidly as a villain walks away and doesn't see it before he (laughs) calls out, that's also a message not necessarily a conscious message, but a message that she is safe now. And the doctor gets that and turns and starts to... So yes, he did rescue her.
1: It's not the the storybook rescue
4: and she wasn't a damsel.
1: But...
4: but he—it is a rescue, uh, if, if, and it was—it's framed in—it's framed in the Robin
3: Hood esque. In in in, in his that. mind, maybe I would allow that, as the character trope of Robin jumping off the cliffhole into the moat. I'll give you that. As far as Clara being rescued, did she need to be rescued? No,
4: but was she being rescued? Yes. That's my point. <laughs>
3: I suppose, in the manner that if you want to say that David Tennant, while being bungee corded to a uh, dolly, rolling down the corridor steps, screaming "worst rescue ever," yeah. was being rescued, then okay, sure, I guess they're I could put it in the, same boat, the same, as that. same boat as that. But she she didn't need to be rescued, and because they they could have gone that route, they could have gone that. Nottingham has locked her. You know, the uh, the sheriff has locked her in the tower. And that she's going to be married off at noon the next day, and right, right, the right, doctor right, no, and Robin no. have to go but form this, a party but, to come back and get. Her. They my, could have gone that. My route point, and didn't. Sean, is is that they never
4: made her the by damsel by. They never made her the damsel while still right. while still using the Robin Hood, cliche imagery. That's my point.
3: Right. No, I'll give you yeah, the Robin yeah, imagery, yeah, yeah, but again, yeah. I, I don't think she fits the damsel in If anything, Marion is still the damsel in distress. Absolutely,
4: this entire
3: story. Through the whole run. But... Clara never. Right was put down there. to
4: the idea that when Robin comes in to save the Doctor, who at that point is the damsel in distress. Stress, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, Clara rides down on Robin Hood's back as he daggers the the tapestry all the way down. That's a complete Robin Hood esque imagery oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. of him being the big hero and her being the damsel. It's the imagery without her still being the damsel because she's not in need of rescue there
3: either. So, uh, it's, but. Again, it's not the it was it was transportation for cliche. Clara. <laughs> no, it, you're exactly
4: <laughs> right, Sean. I'm not arguing with you. What I'm saying is I'm supporting the imagery of yeah, the imagery, the, the, the look that she's in this maiden outfit, the 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 visualizations of all of those cliches, but with Clara never being the damsel. I
2: agree. Okay. In context, she's never the damsel. In, in context, she's never, she she is, never, is the never
3: the damsel. The damsel. Um, Lost I, I know, I'm sorry, I walked <laughs> no, way no, no, away no. from your <laughs> thought process.
4: It was, it was more of a, a way of not arguing with you, but praising the, the cliché-ness of this. Um, no, I know, I know.
3: I know where you're going with it, but you're wrong. I
2: think you were saying that they...
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think um, you were
2: saying that they could have gone with her being a damsel, the, and they didn't. The,
3: the tropes, yeah. yeah. Um, the tro- well, I, I, my,
4: my point is, the tropes were still visually there, they just weren't the classic story, story context, contextually, they were.
3: Yeah, I mean, because we had the, we've got the archery contest, and the golden arrow, and those moments. That's
2: the other issue. Uh, that's the but, main yeah. issue I have with it: is really shooting an arrow. At a ship is going to put the gold level up above, that's not anywhere near the engines or what it would need to add to the well, That's the only gold. point
4: in this story that you had to kind of stretch your imagination I can't all even the stretch
3: Gold level preserves
4: Okay, what, what at, did that do? <laughs> at that point though in the story, this is my defense of that, because I wholeheartedly agree with you In defense of that, at that point in this fairy tale story I I bought it. I was like, alright, yeah. That's what this is. This this is a Robin Hood fairy tale. We've got to have the one impossible thing that that, that makes it okay. I was fine with it. I was okay.
3: At at that point, it was kind of like whatever. I'm not going to quibble over the last five minutes. Exactly. Did anybody... now Before we got the reveal of the robot, there was this whole discussion of what does the sheriff need all this gold for he's he's leaving the jewels and only taking the gold and I went Cyberman I totally thought that's what the robot reveal was going to be as soon as they said a pure gold
2: arrow I thought Cyberman yeah, that was oh, a that,
3: that, no, that's a Robin Hood trope. As it was a gold arrow yeah. for the, oh, for the, I am still yeah. thinking he was cyberman. He said he didn't know that <laughs> just, much about. Robin Hood. No, that's actually that's that's a for reals. <laughs> but,
2: even okay, still, my, it's a Doctor Who
3: and a gold. I continue arrow. to I hear
4: you guys say that, and it makes you guys sound like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this in poking fun <laughs> lovingly. Okay, guys, I don't really think you're idiots, but I don't. You guys always see. You always say those. Things like I saw this and saw and thought it. No, because it never is, Sean. It's never that <laughs> it's way. Never the same and you I guys st- keep I still calling the for it. I, we we talked about something a few weeks ago where you guys said, "Oh, I totally thought it was going to be this." And I'm like, "Why do you continue to think that? Quit playing into that idea. When, even <laughs> it if it's just us be your surprised. own. <laughs> it's just your own little. It, there's I, no surprise if it's, if like you it. if you guess it there." It's no surprise when it happens, and that's why the, we're why, usually wrong. That's why, that's it, why I bring them yeah. up. <laughs> that's why I look at them and I go, "Not." My brain doesn't even go there because I'm like, "No, that w- and, and that would be idiotically stupid to do that." Because you did, 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 you
3: genuinely believe that that would be too obvious? It did.
4: I did. I well, so you look, did go thinking, there thinking. And, and no, not, no, no, no. Thinking back now that you guys brought it up, because it didn't go there when I saw it, but when you brought it up, now I go. No, that's there's no way. That's too obvious. That's
3: way too obvious. Even Mel did it. She goes, "I went," oh, and she went, "Cyberman." It's just get I don't know why my brain works differently, but I get I get frustrated. You could I mean, Well, you're the
1: quit being so stupid. You no, know, it's
2: <laughs> you kind of time to sit back and just let it wash over you and watch it, and not try to pick it apart and figure out what's going to happen next.
4: I, I think you're right
2: And Sean and I both are trying to figure out What's we, going we, we, we,
3: we like, to happen not, not, not you know we're, we're, we're not trying to spoil ourselves you know why, it. But though? that's just that we like being able to see where the You pieces know why, are I
4: like, why I do that Because I think for the longest time I was the same way And I, and I kept getting let down By my own expectations And so I, I did I, I think I made a conscious so effort To quit looking for those things Because I find myself enjoying something If I just let it all come together rather than trying to look ahead and try to figure out what's going on. so that's the
2: difference. I'm normally wrong, so I enjoy looking ahead, trying to figure it out, and being wrong. You you're, you're appreciate the fact that you, you, <laughs> that you, I'm wrong. you, were, you were misdirected. So, yeah. yeah, I like the misdirection. It gives me a, surprise.
4: I think another thing that I don't like is when you start looking for those things, it ruins the surprise when you are right.
2: I'm, I'm not right enough. So, you, you, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so when you are,
3: you're kind of congratulatory. Oh,
2: like, Whoa, I totally saw that coming. <laughs> and then I think to myself... Hey, it's, it's, too much. it's not that I. He's it's, still
3: writing the River Song thing, is what he's doing. It's
2: not like,
4: that I don't. It's not that I don't see those because sometimes I will see something that I think is going to be something else and that I misdirected. But when it's something so obvious like gold, when it's something. So, what was it? We had something a few weeks ago. If, if, if had, you said that you didn't necessarily see it coming, but you did, and I went, <laughs>
2: why? <laughs> Of course, it's I like see. missing
4: episodes. You're just too much of a dope... Bud.
2: Of course if I see Rose-colored a Gold, arrow, glasses. I'm going to think Cyberman. <laughs> I mean, if anybody at the table is Well, that's true. And and the fact that Gold taking down Cyberman hasn't been mentioned in modern series at all. It wouldn't have been that too much of a misdirection <laughs> just, because new viewers wouldn't have caught it.
3: The, the, for, for, for all intents and purposes, a Cyberman showing up in 1180 ish <laughs> would be termed, uh, if they knew the term, a robot. They wouldn't look at him as a cybernetic organism. They would look at him as half-human. They'd be a robot. They'd be a mechanical man are in a suit of armor. Are we getting
4: Cybermen this season? Or do we, we, are getting Cyberman we are getting
3: Cybermen. So oh, fact that's
4: that, right. We saw that one picture with.
3: The fact that we have Robot of Sherwood. Uh, is Sherwoods, Sherwoods. Sherwoods. <laughs> and and and, the, and the, we're collecting all the gold and melting it down. Well, why? Because we're going to throw it away. <laughs> See, that, that, <laughs> okay, I didn't. We I didn't, need I, labor at the castle because we're not going to do it. Okay, I, I, didn't, just, I didn't go that far. It was just, just the arrow, and it was oh. I am. I am. No. Okay. I am having fun
4: poking fun at you guys. I, did, I don't really think you're idiots.
3: I but. just totally went there with it, and then with it, when they showed it being poured into the circuit board, Mel goes, "That looks like a circuit board." And I said, "Yeah." Not Cybermen.
2: Honestly, <laughs> what I thought of when they mentioned melting it down was Fires of Pompeii, of them building the circuits, Yeah. the stone circuits. That's yeah, what I thought circuits. of yeah. when they mentioned melting it down, and then I got, I ended up getting that one correct.
4: When I saw the circuits imagery, See, I kind it, of thought it made me remember even, that that was the idea. Yeah. That Pompeii was making the stone circuits.
3: So anyway, um, I loved all the
2: references. That, that's that scope that, references again, so and a lot
4: of people are, are are complaining about way too heavy with the the callbacks. As a, as an old school fanboy, I love them. I mean, we had all kinds. You we can really never have them. too we many We name the Ice Warriors we had um, thank you Gators yeah <laughs> who wrote we the had, last Ice Warrior we, story the so. whole thing really felt like the Time Warrior and, and the King's Demons I really just had all of those moments of the Time Warrior and King's Demons Just that's harkened back this whole episode did for me we had the uh, kin- the Minisco <laughs> Minisco. Wow, oh, that's it. Miniscope,
2: we're inside a miniscope, and I thought, oh, I, that, that's just how wonderful. I never thought would be referenced ever again. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, I, I, I was, I was thrilled with the reference, and then I went, oh, wait a minute, the things in the miniscope were still real.
4: Yeah, that's true, but
3: that's not a plausible theory <laughs> at all, Doctor. What are you talking about? Miniscope? Nobody buys well, that. He
4: also, came up with the idea that they had created both the sheriff and Robin. And then when the sheriff pointed out the fact that you know, why would we create plan. an enemy for ourselves? That's a horrible idea. And he goes, "You're right. That is a horrible idea." <laughs> it's that line that made
1: me believe
2: that Robin was human.
4: Yeah. Well, we've already established that I was arguing one thing and you were arguing another thing, and I screwed up because I didn't think you were talking about the sheriff.
2: And I, I assumed the King Richard. was I kept waiting for the reveal scenes.
4: that the sheriff would be a robot, and when they didn't, that's when I decided. They've solidified my idea that Robin is real. That was yeah. the final thing that just I needed to say. Okay, Robin is definitely a real man. Anyway, but i got to go there again. Um, we had the... <laughs> the Crusades we, reference. Crusades reference. We had the Venetian Ikidu <laughs> when he disarmed <laughs> Robin. It was so cool. You didn't even have to say what it was. He was like, yeah! It was so John Pertwee. The way he did it was so Third Doctor. And I was oh that that was wonderful. Um... That's another thing that I, I, I'm, I'm growing to, to and, and, and a lot of people will slam me for trying to put classic Doctor traits into any Doctor, but we always do it. We saw a lot of Peter Davison in uh, David Tennant's Doctor, number 10, um, not necessarily in character, but in form and, and look, and even, they even point to that fact when they get yeah. to Time Crash. We saw a lot of Troughton, or the second Doctor, in matt smith's portrayal of the 11th doctor and of course the reason behind that was the fact that he went back and that was the first thing he watched was a lot of the second doctor episodes that existed and he took a lot of stuff from that and i see a lot of um uh in this doctor i'm starting to see a lot of the third doctor i am starting to see a lot of the the seriousness of him because the third doctor he wasn't out there joking around he wasn't cracking jokes. He wasn't making comments that he took everything serious and he was a scientist and he was studying things and he he looked at the the base problem of things and built up from there and that's what this doctor is doing. And I think part of that is the fact that Peter Capaldi grew up, for the most part, in the third doctor era. And I think he's adding those little subtle touches. And it's fine because I think all of the doctors that I just mentioned before all brought their own and put their own stamp on the doctor. That was not it's a recreation or an emulation. Yeah, from it before. was inspiration. You're yeah. exactly right. And so I, so I can safely say that I see a lot of the third doctor's traits in this, and I love that. And then it solidifies it when you bring up things like the miniscope, when you bring up the uh, the, ignition, the Venetian Ikeda. And we've even talked about his outfit, how it seems very, the lining, especially yeah. the lining, being very third doctor. So I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, I liked that uh, Dan brought up the state of King decay uh, <laughs> reference to there. You know, with, with the, the 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 castle being disguised, uh, a ship being disguised as a castle. I, I didn't get that, I didn't but I love that. that. Yeah. I love that that there's at least that image. And I
3: didn't get the trout and Robin Hood and the Robin uh, in, Hood. The I in did. The, I saw that. I the didn't get time. that until somebody and pointed I, it was, out. It I went, oh, was oh, wonderful wow. to see. I
2: rewound yeah, that to make I sure I saw what I saw. Loved <laughs> that.
3: I liked the purple out, the purple shirt as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought that the was a very, shirt, uh, yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever color it is. I thought it was a very striking. It looked good. It was. Now here's a question. So the first <laughs> well, you
2: have a red tie, blue tie conversation. I think so. Are we <laughs> going to get
3: white shirts in the future and colored shirts in the past?
4: <laughs> well, that theory was blown with the eleventh
1: doctor. You wiped yeah. that out. No. Um, yeah.
3: yeah <laughs> I, I, um, just like uh, Tennant wore uh, brown suits in one and blue suits in the other, <laughs>
4: and even though the, I mean this is with a, this is probably me reaching like like I kind of alluded to Dan reaching with the state of decay, even the, the the imagery of the spoon just immediately harkened me back to the seventh Doctor that he had spoons on him all the time. Now these this was a large spoon that he was clearly eating straight out of the. <laughs>
2: Well, we saw the Cart- shot of it beforehand. Yeah. So. We, was,
4: we was eating out of the carton, um, but just this, the spoon imagery just reminded me of the seventh. Doctor.
3: Did and I, ever, I just
4: kept seeing so many things that were callbacks. I, to I, 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 I was
3: singing when I when I saw that in my head because if I ever I, I, I told you guys the story that I went and saw um, Bruce Hornsby in concert in Salina um, yeah. last year, and that he one of the, the songs that he did. He didn't do any of the big 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 songs. He just kind of folk played and rambled his way through stuff but he did this wonderful story about how you know his dad would always go take him for ice cream and so they'd all pile into the car and drive down to the ice cream parlor and he'd reach into the glove compartment and pull out the dreaded spoon because he bought the ice cream and now he wanted to you know you had to share but your ice cream was this and the spoon was this big <laughs> so that he go, and as soon as Capaldi popped that thing in his mouth I was going the dreaded spoon
1: <laughs>
3: it just popped in there I couldn't get rid of it
4: overall this is I I thought Gatiss did a great job writing this um very 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 few blemishes and flaws um
3: not to say that it's not flawed, because no, no. I, I think we all agree that there are moments that yeah. are like eh, that because doesn't you're quite work. So much fun watching. That's just this, it. That I'm willing to accept let accept I'm willing it. to let those go because I had a good time. And
2: with it. the impression I get, it's the probably one, if not only, bit of brevity we're going to get this season.
3: I and hope not. The lightness. I mean, I, I don't. I'm I would, not, not going to say that
4: because I've been surprised by the last three episodes, and I already knew the titles of most. So.
3: I don't think we're going to get um, you know a laugh ride every week, no. But I, I hope that they can this, maintain some of is, the maybe light. Maybe
2: this is the height of the lightness.
3: Yeah, and and I think Chrissy had it dead on. That really, what we what the pacing wise of the series so far, it would have been nice to have gotten a breather about now. Oh, hey, look, we got kind of a Disagree. breather right now.
4: I think this breather came early for me. Really? Yeah. I think we could have done. I think we could have got halfway through the season, got a breather. I really do. Because I guess maybe because I don't. I, I, Maybe I've got a different approach to it. I don't think the first two stories have been that heavy. They've had very
2: heavy elements in them. This even, at the end, has a heavy element of exploring what a hero is. Yeah, I mean... So it's still there. It's just in the... Well, maybe from the
3: same standpoint that we all kind of think that Episode 2 was a little too early for the end of the Dalek episode. To to focus on the question of, am I a good man? And, And, you know... But, I, I don't but remember who said that last week in their feedback, and I, a, I agreed with them. It like, yeah, it was a little...
4: But that was 30 minutes of, to me, fun. And maybe it's because we were inside of a Dalek, and it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was I, I think there's there was a bit 30 of bias 30, There may been well, a was bit there. was 30 minutes of fun. I mean, we had those moments with the... I mean, the one girl died, and, and there was Dalek's... T- and then it was 10 minutes of real heavy, 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 you know, brevity there. But, there, there was 30 minutes of... Actually uh, running about, 20, yeah, but I mean, again, that to me isn't brevity. That isn't he- that isn't the heaviness of a story. It's that the, it's those dark moments or those real intellectual th- they make you think moments. It's those real um, emotional moments. Those are the heavy moments, and that we haven't had a one. The next week's looks maybe a little more heavy, if you ask me. So I just, I don't feel like we needed a breather this soon. Now, I'm glad we did. <laughs> i got because <it>, I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the episode. But, um, and I, I don't, I, there's no flaws. I mean, there was flaws. This is just, they're, they're so minute. And it's not even a, I was having so much fun I overlooked them. Even the flaws that I feel like I had to overlook weren't even, I, they weren't even that bad of an overlook. Like, I already talked about the arrow being the one that was the one that I went I think this
2: probably is one of Gatiss's best stories he's written for the show I would totally agree and and, and this is I I really enjoyed Crimson Aura for for partially just because going back to the feedback it was over the top a little bit but it was nice to just have an out and out bad villain yeah that wasn't a misunderstood villain. Right. Because we've right. had so much of that in Moffat's Sarah. Right. And that's nice at first, but after a while it gets, it gets kind of old. old. Yeah. And that's kind of another nice thing about this. Sheriff was not misunderstood. No. He was just fine. Evil, it greedy. Greedy. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. And that's that. fine. Because I think it, that was. That's what, okay to have that sometimes.
4: Was, that was fine. Yeah, that, that was within the confines
2: of the, of the stories
4: yes, of, the, of Robin Hood.
2: He was just out for himself. Well, and even in Crimson Ore, Power. It, she, she didn't have good reasons. She just was. Evil's evil. Sometimes yeah. it's that way. Yeah. That's, that's still one of my least favorite stories of that season. Going back and rewatching it, I liked it a bit more. I
4: need to, because I I've only seen it once. And I yeah. need to revisit it. But. Um, but, I'm hoping... Did we hit on all the points that were brought up in feedback that I kept pushing off? Um, oh, uh, the maid, Marion. I'm totally of the school that she was back there hiding and the doctor had set it up so that she would come after, out afterwards. And I was perfectly fine with that because again fairy tale ending to the story we've got Robin who's been separated from Maid Marian and little do they know they're right there together in the same vicinity. I like the idea and the reason why I'm okay with the staged um, she came out stood behind the TARDIS and when it dematerialized she was standing there because it was she was clearly back away. she didn't it didn't de- dematerialize yeah. around her. Um the reason I like that is because of the one line. The one line, because Clara says, Admit it, you liked him. And the doctor says, Well, I did leave him a gift. And that's when he demilitarizes. And that is exactly why that is. she was there and the doctor had pre-planned her to be revealed at that point. He was allowing Robin to open his gift at that point. I just That was perfect. That's how it had to be in my mind. So...
3: I can see where some people
4: maybe had a problem with it. It's, well,
3: it is. It's it, it, perfect for the ending of the story until you go back and pluck at that thread and go, well, what was she doing back there behind the TARDIS? And, and then the whole thing starts to... So it's just you, you have to leave it Why was she behind up.
4: the TARDIS? Because the doctor, the doctor told, had prearranged oh, her. He said, hide behind that tree. Because I looked the second time because Robin walks up to the side of the TARDIS, and I thought, oh, he would have seen her standing there. Okay, so he must have prearranged and said, hide behind the tree. Then come forward, stand behind the TARDIS, because I'm going to... I think he totally you had mean, it planned out. That's noise, why it was a forward. gift. It was all planned out. I mean, you don't plan a surprise party and just let people willy-nilly walk in when they want to.
2: There was a part of me that kind of wished that Clara was the inspiration of, for Maid Marian. Like, they almost set it up that way in the beginning, because Robin so's kind of smitten with her. And then they get the Maid Marian references, and I'm like, oh, that's not going to be it. I think it was kind of, it could have been a missed opportunity. It could have been neat, I think. That's also. Yeah, it would have been not, too convenient,
4: I think, though. Well,
3: if this had been a four part classic Who series where she and Marion had bonded while they were in prison and Claire was turning her into this feisty young woman and then she met Robin, Yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. That could have been an interesting thing. Well, it well, didn't well, have room for it the well, way well, it well, was.
2: When it started, I didn't know where they were in Robin's story. Yeah. Possibly he hadn't met her yet. And so. But they give us that very soon. But, too. But they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. I, well, I didn't say it was a long
4: time. No, no, <laughs> no, no. no. I, 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 can the see where, I can see where it, you went of, there, but then kind of
2: realized it okay, And then I was well, like, oh, okay. we're getting We're, go, we're going elsewhere.
3: This was an episode, too, that felt like they spent a lot of money on between the location shooting and the big crowd scenes and the interior castle stuff and robots. <laughs> Big knights. I'm sorry. I liked the design of the. You robots. know what I really liked about the the,
2: the yeah. subtle touch of the laser being across
3: Yeah, right in the middle of the forehead.
2: That too. was a nice touch. Yeah. That totally fits with that time period. I like it. Well, especially even though there was a lot of there uh, was a lot of there
4: was a lot of cross imagery in it. There was the the one in the in, the window. In fact, that, they showed it. Yeah, a lot. Was it one in the window that that shone down? In fact, you saw the shadow of it on the floor at one time. Uh, there was another place I know. Oh, uh, on the I think on the tapestry at the top when he's getting ready to come down, yeah. there's a cross at the top of that. Um, but again, it, it fits in that, especially since Richard is supposedly on the Crusades and, yeah. and are ready to convert everybody to Christianity at that point. And Friar Tut, forgive me.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, did you get the impression that the little person was actually? Little John. Little John. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a neat twist on the whole idea, especially <laughs> since we've gone forward to this, you know, gruff, big, bearded man as Little John. In a lot of the, it's almost that, just more cliché. It's, it's actually funnier. Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of funnier that the little guy was really Little John. That's all I got. I I was also surprised I hope by we, the promise. I hope we answered himself. some of the things that we said we
2: were going to readdress when we came back, but. Was this one you watched twice?
3: I've only seen it once. Okay, me too. Uh, see, I see
4: I've watched this one twice. <laughs> this is the first time that I've seen one twice and you before you guys had seen it
2: twice. And it was one of those where deep breath and "Into the doll like I felt like I needed to watch twice to make sure I got everything. This one I don't think I I didn't feel that way. I felt I was okay. While I will go back and rewatch it because it was a fun romp, it's not I didn't feel like I needed to. I think that's I want I, to go back and rewatch it. I don't need. To. I think
4: the first two have a lot of things that you feel like you might have missed. Whereas this one, when you're done with it, you
3: this one I still it feel was... like I missed stuff. Did you? But I, I think again that falls down on the action scene, dialogue being shouted over explosions and music and Scottish accent. That's all. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> trying to latch to. I wish
1: I could understand that. I don't.
3: I don't know what it is. I, I just. I don't really miss any dialogue. I'm almost to the point of Keith going. Maybe I should put subtitles on. <laughs> yeah.
2: Which and now in this one, I, I didn't have as so much. Maybe I'm just getting used to his accent more.
1: Yeah.
4: Well, I think and we, maybe you are used, used to it. We establish from... I'm used to you, it because I've been watched to a, lot a lot of Capaldi, and of they talk very, very fast. And the it's thick of it. worse in the yeah. thick of it. I mean, it's really
2: quick in the thick of it.
3: Yeah, I had a I had a uh, Mr. Henry uh, in uh, high school was from Jamaica.
2: I had him too. Make
3: and point. he taught U.S. history. <gasps> I didn't have him, <laughs> And he... <laughs> <laughs> he frequently would spend <laughs> the, the first two or three days of class just telling you stories of his homeland and what it's like to grow up in Jamaica and everything that didn't have anything to do with history or U.S. history. Just so that you would get used to the rhythm and the cadence of his speech and the Jamaican accent, because he had a very thick, That's heavy Jamaican kind of a clever accent. Idea. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was great because then when he launched into something important, I wasn't struggling with it. So, I kind of think the first couple of Capaldi episodes are going to be that. I'm just going to have to get used to the <laughs> listen to
4: him talk about it. Listen to him.
3: One other item of note, uh, not episode necessarily related, but happy birthday wishes to Holly. Yes,
1: yeah. Which
3: yes. was birthday yesterday. Now yesterday. The 7th. The 7th.
4: Now yesterday.
3: Now yesterday. When,
4: when we established at the beginning of the show that it was Monday now.
3: When, when will then be now? Then. Soon now. Now. Soon. Keith, what's next on the schedule? Because I got it wrong.
2: <laughs> Up next for Friday night, who is the unquiet dead? And then next week we will be talking about... Listen... We missed the boat on this one again. <laughs> I'm already looking ahead. <laughs> well, this was one, and I, uh, you'll see when the Friday Night Who post lists. Um, this is one we kind of stretched to try to figure out what would fit best. Yeah,
3: Because we didn't really have, we, we, and we still don't, we, in my mind, no. have much of a, even, even on the, the trailer. Now,
4: well, we're at the point now where I see the trailers and I go, oh, gosh, we should have done that. Now, this week, I, I last time that I saw the trailer... My mind kind of went to King's Demons, but it wasn't until I watched this week that I went, "Oh, this is really like Time Warrior. This is really like Time Warrior." Um, no, I almost think that uh, we should do the um, the one where the guy, the kid keeps wishing kids into the or people into the dollhouse. What was that called?
3: Oh, <laughs> what can't I remember? Night Terror.
4: Night Terror. Yeah. This feels like night terrors to me this time. I guess we'll see next week. But.
3: Well, we think it's going to be a, a, a slightly spooky, scary episode, so we went with a slightly spooky, scary episode with Unquiet Dead. And we haven't had an Eccleson in a while, so we thought, okay, we'll do we, that. We, that was we, the rationale. We,
2: when we did research that mentioned ghosts, and
3: what's an Eccleson ghost story,
2: Unquiet Dead? Yeah. Well, what's a ghost story? I'm not
4: advocating fight. us change anything, but I'm looking that at That was one, one thing
2: I also thought of in... This one, a little bit, was Ghostlight. There was some, like, dig down core story that there was a ship that crashed and they're utilizing... I'm the only one? Okay.
3: It's an excuse to bring up Ghostlight, huh? (laughs) Pretty much. I I would like to see a a computer graphic uh, in, in a unit story coming up that... Here's the globe, and then here's all of the known downed spaceship locations. <laughs> Brr, and they're all red dots everywhere, because there's a lot of them apparently on Earth. But. All
4: right, so that's what's coming up on the schedule. So be sure. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Ha. be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, even though nobody's on Google+.
3: Um, Have we posted <laughs> anything on Google+.
4: Yeah, I posted. Well, no, I don't post them. I post on my Google.
3: Plus. That was kind of your job. Uh, yeah, you had um, one
1: job, Glenn.
4: <laughs> Tumblr, uh, Goodreads. Uh, please, 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 please continue to support our Patreon page, uh, page, pledge, page, pledge on our page, pledge on our page. Uh, again, thank you to Lisa and Dan and Kirk for um, already subscribing. It'll help out a lot. We and thanks still, for your support. We are still working for another s- server, so if you can help out, we would much appreciate it. And of course there are other avenues for you to help us out. You can uh visit our uh, spreadshirt store and there's a link right there on our uh, webpage. And if you buy things through Amazon that are amazon.com that are uh, Amazon Amazon. Amazon.com <laughs> that are Doctor Who related, please buy them through our store. If you're an American listener, the UK we don't link to the UK store because there's a Weird discrepancy with it our tax ID. Yeah. <laughs> so, if anything's, we can't do that because if anything bought through the UK, there's a whole different tax issue. So, <laughs> we run into a, a tax ID issue there. So, um, but yeah, American uh, listeners, please, if you want to buy Doctor Who merchandise, check our store first, see if it's there. If it's not there, then go to Amazon. So, I try to, I'm trying to rotate our products out and add and subtract some stuff too. So,
3: one other item of note is if you are in the Topeka area, On September 20th, which is a Saturday, come to TopCon. It's going to be Topeka's uh, gaming convention extraordinaire and uh, first year, and we're very excited. Uh, Glenn and I will be down there uh, with the official uh, TTV booth and uh, hopefully doing some fun things and maybe having some giveaways and meeting some listeners and uh, and whatnot. Uh, Keith, unfortunately, is going to miss out on the extravaganza it. because he has some, I don't know, family family thing. <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: that's a standard excuse for a <laughs> uh, Who's going to be there, Sean? Uh, well, who isn't going to be there? First of all, we're <laughs> going to be there. So that, that's, that's the whole reason to come if you're listening to this. Uh, the Enigma whom, if you are a science fiction fan and uh, you were around in the 90s, you probably remember him from an episode of The X-Files. He's the gentleman that has the tattooed puzzle pieces, the jigsaw, all and over his,
4: his, character, his body. The Enigma's character name in X-Files was The Conundrum. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you had that queued up and ready it's to go, true. didn't you? It is so true. Um, uh, uh, who else is going to be there? Um, uh, well, the... Uh, Comic uh, artists? And- uh Gypsy and uh, Yeah,
4: Gypsy he's a tattoo artist and history fan and comic book fan and uh, just really all-around great geek. <laughs> uh is going to be there also um the Ibot brothers. Uh Oh yeah. The, yeah, Iron Brothers of Topeka is what Ibot stands for and these guys make some tremendous costumes. Um, they started out, Iron Man. yeah. They started out doing Iron Man, and they branched out to Iron Patriot and War Machine, War, or War Machine and the Iron Patriot, and then, and they've just got a whole plethora. of And I understand.
3: Did you see the new? That one? They
4: are working or done with now. Hopefully, they'll bring it a Cylon Warrior. Yeah.
3: Not yeah. only are they okay. done with the Cylon Warrior, they took the Cylon Warrior. It's it's an old school Battlestar Galactica Cylon, so the big kind of bulky, right. and it actually had the wall wall the eye hands. and the whole bit. Hmm. They took it with them to WizardCon in Chicago, and won Best of Show.
0: Oh, good! Nice. With that costume,
3: and there, That's I've seen cool. a couple of pictures of it. It is phenomenal looking uh, cosplay piece, and it's it's done in the big bulky. Iron Man mm-hmm. suit style, you know. So it, it's it's a very cool one. Cool so, so they yeah. will be there, and hopefully they'll bring the Cylon in tow. And we'll of course have plenty of pictures to post. If you're not able yes. to come, but if you are able to come, come on down. Please it should come, be a fun come. evening, um, they're, fun day. They're at the uh, Quincy Street
4: uh, Convention Center in downtown Topeka, which is actually on Quincy Street. So um, if you can make it, please come by, and we'll we'll uh, talk some more between now and then, and, and kind of remind people about it. So cool. Anything else that we uh need to discuss before we close this show out? Ha ha
3: All
4: right, well if that's gonna can I
3: stand on your coffee table?
4: No.
3: Please? No. Please, 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 please. That's my Stuart Little impersonation. Please, 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 please. Stuart Little? Yeah. Really simple. Please,
1: please,
3: please, 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 please. Hello, Little Mouse? Yeah. Michael J. Fox? Never seen
4: it. I know, huh? You? All right. If that's the to for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith.
0: <laughs> Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other one has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Ever, ever thinking there was danger in the water they were.
4: You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC No
0: infringement is intended or implied Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest Jumping fences, dodging trees and trying to get away Contemplating nothing but escaping, and finally making it Oodle-lolly, oodle golly, what a day
1: Ooh la la, ooh golly, what a day!